All right, in three, two, one, and we're live. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? How about new, you crazy Dutch bastard? What we've got here is failure to communicate. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. That's cute. I remember when I had my first beer. Why so serious? I am serious. I don't call me sir. What's up, everybody? It's Friday night. It's the Dads a Drink. It's DJ. It's Jeff Rowe. Tonight, we have a special, special guest. Now, there's not a lot of sports going on in the world, but there is one place in the world of sports that's coming back alive, and that's horse racing. We've got Ed from Big Cigar Ranch, and he's going to talk to us all about horse racing and everything that's getting ready to start happening in that business. So let's get right into it. Jeffro, it's been a super long week. How about you, man? It's it's been a super long week, but as normal or usual, I find the energy to show up here and have a great time. So I'm happy to be here with you. I am so glad that you're here. And I'm super excited about this because there's not a lot of sports going on in the world right now. So it's nice to see that uh, there is going to be sports happening soon. And like we said, um, we are uh, kind of coming out of this quarantine and trying to figure out the, I guess they call it the new normal. And uh, I guess this is kind of a link in that direction. So um, let's, uh, let's bring him right on. Ed, we're glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're super excited to hear about uh, everything that's going on in the horse racing world, in the sports world in general. And l- let's kind of go over your past. So you've been involved through thoroughbred racing and breeding for 23 years. You're the owner of Big Cigar Stables, and you found that in 2000. Uh, you were given the name Big Cigar by the trainer of your first racehorse, and you've raced, bred, bought, sold horses in several states. Uh, you're based out of Texas, but that you have horses in Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, all over the place. You've been married to your wonderful wife for 42 years, which is uh, amazing in these times. And you have a deep rooted understanding of horse racing in general. So we're going to ask about horse racing in this show tonight, but we're also going to ask maybe some uh, uncomfortable things that have been brought up in the horse racing world in the past and just kind of weed through those because people might not have heard the story from someone that's on the inside. So Ed, let's get into it, man. Uh, just kind of give us a little bit of what brought you into this world. Well, it, it's kind of funny. I had a customer in in the job that I was doing business with that was involved in an ownership group of racehorses. And he invited me out to a thoroughbred horse sale and uh, I didn't want to go. Well, 
a co-worker said, yeah, 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 just go eat a hot dog, enjoy the day. I said, okay, well, when I left there, I owned 10% of Dixieland Harry, <laughs> and uh, the rest is history. Uh, I went out to show my family Dixieland Harry, and while I was there, I bought 10% of another horse named Black Hawk Brown, and just it never turned back. It's just a, a passion. It's, it's, you know, it's the greatest game on earth. Let me jump in real quick here, too, and, and just to kind of set the table here. Uh, Ed Larson is a near and dear friend to me, uh, and he means a lot to me. He and I work together. We won't disclose the world headquarters and where it's at, but uh, we're in the uh, utility business. But uh, Ed has served as a mentor for me the last four years in my job. He's a wonderful role model, a wonderful man. He can sell ice to an Eskimo. He can talk with you. And he's really good at taking you out to lunch as an entertainer. But uh, I'm excited to have Ed on. We've talked about this for a while. And if anyone's passionate and knowledgeable about horse racing, it's Ed Larson. And thank you for coming on, Ed. And I'm excited to have you. And I want you to talk and be just like you are when we're in the office and you're talking about the horses. Or what you're saying, horse racing is not for the faint of heart. It's it, it is not a game for little boys in short britches. There you go. I think my first question that I have right off the bat is uh, you say that you went there and your friend told you to relax, have a hot dog, and you bought, you pretty much bought a horse right then. And then you just started buying. And the way you make it sound, it's like you're talking about you bought a bag of chips at the store because you <laughs> right. horses aren't cheap and they're not cheap to take care of. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So what, and especially in that kind of horse, what goes through your head when you're, when you're thinking about like, okay, it's another horse, this is another mouth to feed. This is, do you look at, and I guess I might say this weird, do you look at it in a profitability standpoint right from the beginning, or do you look short term on it? How, how do you go about picking the horses that you want? That is a tremendous question. Uh, and it, works both ways. Okay. Uh, it depends on whether you've, you're breeding the horse, whether you're buying the horse, whether you've claimed the horse at a racetrack, out of a race. Uh, there, there are many ways to acquire a horse, and, and ownership groups have become very, very popular um, where there are a lot of owners in a, in a horse to hold down the expense. They're incredibly expensive. As far as do you go in wanting it to be profitable? Absolutely, but you have to love it. You you right. have to have a deep passion. I always tell people, you know, I do not need, and forgive me, uh, anybody out there that's listening that does this for a living, but I do not need a little guy with slick back hair, a Hickey Freeman suit, and tasseled loafer shoes to help me throw away my money. I'm fully <laughs> capable of doing that on my own. And that's what I do. <laughs> and so when you say there's multiple owners, on an average horse that, that is in this uh, business, how many owners are there? It, it varies. It could be one. Like in my case, uh, I'm not going to say I don't bring other owners in because I do. 
Uh, we just closed the books on a horse today in a, in a little ownership group. But there's there was only uh, five of us in the, in that group. You'll have Lone Star Park has the Lone Star Park Racing Club where they may have, I have no idea how many owners they might have on a horse, but it's a fractional ownership. I generally and, and so, like, go ahead. And so is the, so when you win, okay, say you win a race and, and everyone knows it's high stakes in, in horse racing. Yeah. Uh, those ones that are broken up into those big groups, is it just like you get 10%, you get 10%, you get to, uh, is it broken down like that? Or is it, is it where there's usually a majority stakeholder and they're going to get the, the lion's share of the money. And then the other people are just kind of going to, you know, make a little, just to kind of dip their feet in the water. You know, it goes, it goes all kinds of different ways. A lot of, of people that have an ownership group or that are in charge of these make their money up front. In other words, they've bought a young horse. They brought the young horse along. They sell the shares at a profit and uh, then handle the books from there on out. In my case, I don't do that. And I always make sure when I do that, that I ha I retain a majority of, of the ownership of the horse. And, and the reason is, is because I've been fortunate enough and blessed enough to only have a very small group of friends. The majority of my horses, I own all of myself, um, which is really stupid, but I do. <laughs> um, and, and I always make sure that if we're going to make money, I'm going to make the most, or if we're going to lose it, I'm going to lose the most. Well, you know, I, you know, I can, and I think people can appreciate that, that, that you're going to take on that risk, but you're also going to get the reward off that. So. Correct. And, and you know, during the, uh, all this quarantine and COVID, you know, you had made mention when we talked on the phone, Hey, horse race is still up and running. I know some places closing yeah. all that, but yeah. when we had several different great conversations at work, you know, we, we work so hard. We usually don't have time to talk, but, uh, We've said, oh, greatest athletes and stuff. And, and you've given me a different perspective on just how incredible an animal a horse is in the health, in the athleticism. And, you know, when you don't think about sports, you may not think about horse racing. Can you talk just about the importance of the animal, the care and treatment, and, and how has horse racing been during this pandemic? Well, that that that's – a great topic and it's a, it's a very hot topic in our industry and as a matter of fact all over the country because if you'll if you'll notice uh fox sports on fs1 and fs2 are showing america's day at the races now all weekend long because of it being the only game in town as is nbc sports network as are your horse racing outlets and the, the reason people say, well, how can horse racing do this and nobody else? Well, there, there are several factors involved in this. First of all, you've got a horse track is very much different than an American Airlines Center or an AT&T Stadium. A horse track has a city of its own on the back of its own on the backside. It starts every morning at 430 in the morning. And these horses have to be cared for. 
and they have to be trained. And your options are to continue to do that with all the safety protocols in place, or I guess we could put signs around their neck, turn them all loose <laughs> and say, free to good home. I mean, in, in, in the Metroplex and everywhere else. So horse racing has continued. Another factor involved is we can handle spectatorless racing better than anybody else. Right. Simply because of the wagering aspect of it. In most states, account wagering is available. And to be honest with you, the, the wagering that fuels this sport, your large betters are not at the racetrack. Right. They're at the kitchen table with a laptop, a bunch of papers, a pot of coffee in their boxer shorts, making bets. And so that hasn't changed. So we've been able to, to uh, survive uh, tracks. A lot of them did shut down, but a lot of them have reopened. Lone Star Park, our home track that was supposed to open mid-April, just finished opening day today. Uh, we ran nine races today, uh, spectatorless. Uh, the Barn Book simulcast facility did reopen with the 25% social distancing, all that kind of thing. But Were you there today, Ed? No, I did not go today. But if uh, you went, would you have chili? Uh, I would have had chili if it was still on the menu. I okay. have Sorry, that was an inside menu. thing. That's his go-to there. That, uh, a little side note, I did have a chili dog for dinner. <laughs> I bet Paul so, is enjoying that. Sorry. So w when you talk about this and when you, <clears throat> when you say that it's a completely different uh, atmosphere than, than uh, an American Airlines Center. When I was stationed in Arizona, in Sierra Vista, we had a place called the King Court that uh, you could go there. It had tennis courts to play on and stuff like that. But but upstairs in the bar and restaurant area, they had off-site uh, off bedding. Yeah. And they had, you know, 15, 20 screens all around the place, and you could watch each race. You could put... And, yeah. and it was a lot of fun, and I think that... The, I, I think you're correct when you say that, that, you know, people can do it differently, do it, I, I would say, quote unquote, safer than a normal sporting event. Right. Here's the part that I wonder about you guys though, if it will hurt or it will help because a lot of people first off have trouble with horse racing in general. They say it's cruel. It's all those kind of things. When, right. when in fact that these horses are bred to do that, um, and then the gambling aspect comes into it. Um, both of which I'm perfectly okay with both of them. How do you, because you've kind of got the spotlight right now, you guys have the microphone. How do you sell that to the rest of the people to show them? This is a sport that takes tremendous care of these horses that does this, you know, all the things that we do. So how, how do we. How do we display that now that you have the spotlight and the microphone? You know, I don't, uh, you're, you're spot on in, in DJ and what you're um, asking there. Now, just like every other sport, we have cheaters, we have scoundrels, we have dirty people. For the most 
part, and it is an overwhelming majority. Horse people love their animals incredibly. They are taken care of incredibly. Uh, they, they, uh, the doctor sees them every day. They get their physical exercise. They, they don't get fast food. They, they get a specially designed proper diet. And, you know, everybody talks about drugs and everything in horses. And, and, and it is an issue. But, you know, in, in, in our game, since we're regulated by our states, um, and it's kind of like the first time I got a license, and I, they fingerprinted me. And I said, I walked out of the hospital with two babies and they didn't fingerprint me. <laughs> and the lady looked at me and said, yeah, but people ain't betting on your babies. They're betting on this horse. And so, you know, the government, as far as the Texas Racing Commission in Texas or the Kentucky Racing Commission or whatever, being in charge of all this, if, if I win a race today, my horse goes immediately to the test barn and is drug tested instantly. Um, that doesn't happen in the National Football League. I'm not knocking it or, or Major League Baseball or anything. Yeah, you have spot checks, but in here, you're going to the test barn and, and, and you're going to prove that you played within the rules. And so... That happens, and going back to the care and, and the and the love of them. Every horse has a personality. Uh, are there are there some horses that I like more than others? Absolutely, they're more likable <laughs> than others. You know, Jeff, you had teammates uh, that you liked more than others. They were all your teammates and all your brothers, but some of them were hard to love. Yeah, it's the same with horses. Um, they all have a personality. You all get to know them. They perform at an incredible level. They have been bred to do this. They love doing it um, for the most part. And if they don't love doing it, they're, you know, the fact of the matter is they get a different job very quickly. And they'll show uh, being, you if they don't love it or if, if you can tell that horse is not responding you're not going to beat it into shape you know when they go somewhere else and then they go on to someone else and you get one that, that, that serves its purpose in the business world. But as far as animal wise, you still have their best interest at heart. And if that means not racing, that means not racing. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's very difficult with the kind of money that you're spending on daily care of these horses and, and trust me, it's, it's substantial. Um, it, it is a real blow when you find out that, Hey, you know, this horse is going to be off for three months for four months for two weeks. It's a funny thing about thoroughbreds. People say, well, that, you know, you're forcing them to do this. I would beg to differ because I've had many horses that have been injured and the vet will tell you they must be stall rested 
for 30 days. And the reason is that if you take one of these horses and put them out in a pasture, you know what the first thing they do is? They take off their leg. They take off running down the fence line till they get to the end of the fence and then they throw on the brakes. And guess what they do? They turn right around right. and they come right back doing the same thing. That's just what they do. And they're incredible animals and creatures. So, Ed, uh, I don't know if you can see, but we're posting comments down below on the screen. And we've got a couple questions right off the bat for you. So the first one says, just tuning in. What do you think is happening at Pasadena Racetrack with the horses dying mysteriously? Wow. You know, I think that that, for the most part, is has been, I don't want to say cured, but has been taken care of to an acceptable extent. Uh, things happen. It is an exciting game. If you've never been to a horse race, it is a dangerous game. It, it just is. There's no question about it. Absolutely. Uh, it's the only profession I know of where an ambulance follows you around at work. And I literally, you don't see that when you're watching on TV, but there is a horse ambulance and a people ambulance. And as a matter of fact, you can't run a race without an ambulance being there. You can't work your horses in the morning. So getting back to the Santa Anita thing, um, I think it's a combination of things. First of all, their track last year with, with the flooding from everything I read, their track was a mess, a total mess. And I think that had a lot to do with it. I think another thing, there are several things. I'll give you an example. Uh, the pressure to enter horses. And what I mean by that is this. Wow, this is going to be controversial, and I hate to even <laughs> yes, say We love that on this show. You're, you're, you're just saying what some people think, not how you feel. I, I, yeah, okay. There is pressure in the state of California to fill races. Betters don't like four-horse fields. They like 12-horse fields. There's more money to be made. There, okay. there's, it's a better opportunity. Uh, racetracks have to fill races. And in California, with laws, is the way I understand, I've never run a horse in California. I do not claim to be an authority. But if you watch in California, you will see a lot of those smaller fields. And it's because there's a lot of workers' comp issues. There's a lot of things that go on there that make it difficult to have a horse. Well, that means that the horses that are there, if we're going to run so many days a week and have so many races a day, that we've got to fill those races. I don't necessarily think that is good for the horse either. It, did it have anything to do with, with the horse breakdowns? I don't know. Uh, I have my own thoughts on that. Uh, well, let's talk about something more positive. Um, 
And, and, and I know you're a, a Breeders' Cup guy. You love the, going to the Breeders' Cup race, right? And she was in California, well, in California in the last few years, right? And, and, and you're on, how do I say, you're in the horse business from the ground up. You're, you know, you're not this Bob Baffert. There's all these big money guys, right? You're in it and you're building up and you're, you're getting horses as, as good as you can get them and you're trying to build them. And not that other people aren't, but we're, we're more used to seeing the Kentucky Derby and all these huge races, right? The, tri the Triple Crown. Right. Um, of all that, knowing that, whether it's a Triple Crown person or a horse you bought for 10 grand and it turns into be British Cup, what makes a great racehorse? Wow. They've got, they've got to have. You know, I've never heard a trainer tell me they had to teach one how to run. <laughs> they know how to do that. They've got to have a great mind. They've got to have a, a great heart. Uh, they've got to be the right physical specimen. They've got to have the right genetics. Um, and sometimes those genetics can be, uh, the horse can be modestly bred. California Chrome, which I'm sure you've heard of, with a very modestly bred horse and, and one of the greatest horses that I've ever seen uh, on the track. So there are many, many things that go into that. And a lot of it is unknown. It's all every time a foal's born, Jeff, there's that hope. Um, you know, yeah, you see a lot of the same people in those big races, but you see some new ones too. And uh, we're all trying to get there. It's just, we're trying to get there with a lot of different budgets. <laughs> that's a good way I, to that's it. why I breed horses. Just, just FYI, that's why I breed horses. I can't afford to go to a sale and buy the big horse, <laughs> but there's a little bitty chance I might can breed it. So we have another question, not controversial, but it's asking your expertise. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. It says if I were to bet on horses, what's the best parlay bet or the best bet with the best odds to bet on for fun? Okay. I tell everybody, and first of all, I'm going to qualify what I'm going to tell the, the person that asked that question. I am, and I say this humbly, I am a good handicapper. I can look at a race and I can tell you maybe what will happen. I am a horrible better. <laughs> and there are two different things. Those are two different things. And and I would rather, if I I would rather be a good better and a lousy handicapper. Uh, but having said that, I tell everybody, never forget your win bet. If no matter what the odds are, if you think this horse can win and has a shot. Don't ever, you know, you can bet all these exactas, trifectas, superfectas, super high fives, pick sixes, all of these that have astronomical payouts and they're and they're great if you hit them. But never forget your win bet. Never be afraid to go up and say, give me two dollars or give me two hundred dollars on number six to win. And so extending that out a little further. What should people look for? I know you can look at, but if you're not a person that has been to the tracks before, if you've never watched racing before, of course you can look at the the, the lists and, and get all of the reports before it happens, but a lot of people don't understand that. 
what is the average person that's going to go there? What are we looking for? A lot of people, um, DJ, like to bet on the rider, on the jock. Okay. And that's not a terribly unsound way to do it, simply because the best jock, all jockeys have agents. And the agent I did not know them, that. Oh yeah. And the agent puts them on the horse. So if you're the best jockey, what are the odds you're getting on the best horse? Pretty good. Exactly. So yeah. that is very that's pretty sound in that regard. Um so a lot of people do that, and I'm talking about people that don't know anything about it. Uh, another way to do it is with trainers. Right. Um, you know, what's the trainer success rate? That type thing. Another so we have a tip sheet. Okay. See what the experts think. But I'm going to tell you, the favorite in a horse race only wins a third of the time. Really? That is correct. So should you go for like maybe number two and number three then on the average since it's only, or, I mean, because I think we could say the same thing about long shots. It, it's going to be very rare that you're going to get a long shot win too. It, it, it doesn't happen a lot, but if you believe, don't be afraid to bet there. I, I, I'm not going to call names, but there was a horse today in a race at Lone Star Park that the was going off at 30 to one. And I wow. knew, I knew because I know the horse and I knew the conditions of the race. I knew, I knew the distance, all those things. I knew what was going to happen. Well, the horse didn't win, but the, the horse ran third wow. and paid more right. run third than the winner paid. And, and so, you know, sometimes you just know what you know. And when you say, well, that horse doesn't have a chance because it's 30 to one. Understand the reason that horse is 30 to one is not because that horse is any lesser than, than the other horses. It's just where is the money going? Where right. Public thing that public determines that's what's great about paramutual. You're not playing against the house, the track doesn't care who wins. Well, you and it's the other betters. And that was my next question that kind of led right into it was how do they come up with the the odds? How do they look at that horse and say, Yeah, there, there's no way this horse is winning this race. And then someone like you, who's been in the business forever, goes, mm, I don't know. I think you might be wrong there. Well, what happens is, and, and a lot of times, the person at the track, the morning line odds maker, there's somebody at the track, uh, different, and they're, they're experts, but they set what's called the morning line. Okay. And that, and that doesn't, they're not even saying who they think is going to win. They're think they're saying who they think the public is going to oh. support. 
Okay. And that's how the morning line is, is established, is where do they, and sometimes they're totally off. They'll have a horse at 15 to 1 on the morning line that goes off at, uh, you know, 2 to 1, 3 to 1, because the public, you know, didn't go the way this person thought they were going to go. And it's a guess. But at the end of the day, when they kick the latches and the gates open, The odds are determined by the betting public. Hmm. It's okay. where the money went, not where okay. they think it's going to go, where it went. So, so uh, you know, I'm a rookie, and when I talk to you about racehorses and where they're at, I feel ignorant when I talk to you because you're probably going to, oh, gosh, this guy really doesn't get it. But, you know, you know, you look at, you know, like you said, the trainers, uh, were they on Lasix? When's the last time they raced? What kind of race it is? Can you go into the different types of races? Like you said, a claim race. Can you go into that in a little bit more detail on on the different races and maybe how uh, it may influence betting, but also just the interest in general? Sure. Uh, a horse, when they start their career, uh, uh, is in what's called maiden races. A maiden race is for horses that have not won. And that could be a horse that's run – 20 times, or that could be a horse that's making its debut. And they're, they're written, those races are written by age, sex, and then, of course, there's a distance involved, uh, a surface, be it uh, dirt, grass, synthetic, uh, those type things. So that's where it starts, at the maiden level. And then there are different levels of maiden, okay? Then you go from there. And, and a horse can run through his conditions, non-winners of two, non-winners of three. and But what happens is you got to realize every step you take, it, the price of poker goes up. It gets a little tougher because you go from running against nobody that's won. Right. And now you're running against everybody that's won. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're – other sports have different ways of leveling the playing field, golf with a handicap, uh, things of that nature. Horse racing does it at the claim box. If you're in a claiming race, if you enter that horse and that horse steps, steps out on the track, you that horse is for sale and could have been bought. Give you an example. Everybody knows the name American Pharaoh. Okay. You say, well, why didn't American Pharaoh enter this race? He could have crawled in one. It was a $25,000 claimer. Yeah. But guess what's fixing to happen? They're going to be lined up out the door, and I'm going to be one of them <laughs> to try to win the shake to own American Pharaoh. So that's the great equalizer in this sport is the claim box. Um, which you've claimed horses before, you know, oh, you, claimed, you claimed the same horse twice before, have you not? Absolutely. And he's running Sunday at Lone Star Park, believe it or not, from Kentucky and Florida. He is at Lone Star Park and he is entered for Sunday. All All right. Right. Give us your horse's name so everybody knows what to bet on. Yep. Well, I don't know that you should bet on him or not. I don't own him and haven't owned him in a while. <laughs> but his name's Ikatiro. You got Ikatiro again? No, I don't have him, but he's so scheduled okay. on Sunday at Lone Star Park. And that 
that, that's a running sum of gun now. There's no doubt about it. But here's the thing you got to remember, and forgive my language here, but it's it's common knowledge. Nobody leads their horse over there to get their ass whipped. Right. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You can be 70 to 1, 80 to 1, what the public says, but you're going over there. If you're not going over there to win, then you really have lost your mind because you're just running up more bills. So we have another question that came in for you, Ed. It says, at what age can you tell if they're going to be amazing and worth the extra training? Wow. You know (laughs) what? If I knew that, I (laughs) I would write a book sell a bazillion of those books and then never work another day. It varies by the horse. A lot of times you can see what their confirmation's like, what their build is early, but they change and they change rapidly, just like kids do. Go back to when you played a little league and the kid that hit all the home runs and he was going to be the next Babe Ruth. And by the time he got to middle school, he didn't play no more. The kid that's a freshman in high school, I could equate that to two-year-old racehorses. He's the best freshman. He's the biggest. He's the baddest. He's the fastest. And then everybody catches up to him. And when he becomes a senior, he never sniffs not one play on the gridiron because everybody's So they mature at different levels, at different ages. Can you you make a determination based upon how they look, how they walk, what their breeding is, uh, those type things? Yes. But once again, just like in every other game, I mean, how many covers of Sports Illustrated have I had in my time that said this guy is the next? whomever, and I have no idea where any of them are. So it's the same way in in horses. They mature at different levels, um, and it's up to the trainer to to figure that out. So, Ed, getting getting into um, some of the big, right, the triple crown and and some of that, in your opinion – what is the greatest racehorse to ever race? Well, I obviously didn't see them all, even though I am old, Watson. I did not see all of them. The, the, probably the best one I've ever seen in my life would have been Secretariat. Uh, his Belmont stakes, where he won by 31 and a half lengths, and the guys up in the press box uh, were saying, there's no way he can go this fast. He's, he's, he's going to blow his heart out. And uh, he was probably the best that I ever saw. Um, but, you know, it's kind of funny. NBC Sports had a virtual derby on what was supposed to be Derby Day. And um, Secretariat won that. So, you know, the greatest – horse in a triple crown was was secretariat that I've ever seen. But you got to understand the derby has moved this year. You, you mentioned the triple crown. It's very 
unique and interesting this year because now the Kentucky Derby is going to be run on Labor Day weekend. The Preakness is going to be run in October, the first week of October, which is the second leg of the Triple Crown. But the Belmont, which is the last leg, which is the test of champions, a mile and a half, is going to be run next month, June 20th. Yeah. Yeah, June 20th, the day before Father's Day. Saturday, June 20th, the Belmont is going to be the first leg. And instead of it being a mile and a half, it's going to be a mile and an eighth. And the whole Triple Crown picture is changing because these horses are just three years old. That's what makes the Triple Crown the most difficult thing to achieve in sports. And they can only run it once, right? One chance when they're three years old. And you got to be the best three-year-old in the world, basically, on that given day. You, others may catch up to you and, and, and do other things. But, you know, having said that, uh, if you polled and Jack Van Berg, the – the late trainer that was so great said this, and I'm in total agreement. If you polled all the horsemen in the United States and told them what's the one race that you would like to win, 90% of them would say the Kentucky Derby. And the other 10% of them are lying. Oh man! Uh, go ahead, DJ. Uh, so we got another. I'm I'm just trying to throw these questions in here. I know it's kind of bringing us back and forth. What's the average weight of a jockey? <laughs> wow, you know, it depends on whether they got a donut or not. <laughs> I've never seen those little rascals love sweets more than anybody I've ever met in my life. Um, no kidding. Yeah, they they do. They're in the hot box. You know, they weigh different amounts. Uh, and a lot of guys, you'll see they're great when they're very young. And I'm talking 16, 17, 18. But then they're not jockeys anymore because you've got to be naturally small. And, you know, the average weight in a race could be – I'll just throw this out. I've never studied what the average is. But with saddle – and everything be about 120. So if they were boxers, they're flyweights, they're 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 down there anywhere in the 108 to to 112, 115 range. So basically what my right my right leg weighs right now, pretty much. Yeah. And and you know, and when you're at the track and you hear uh that a horse was supposed to carry let's say 118 pounds or 120 pounds today. And they're going through the changes and the scratches. The betters pay attention to this because they'll say, number three, whatever their name is, one pound over. That means the jock didn't make right. Yeah. He didn't have the donut. And he's been in the hot box and everything else, but he didn't make weight. So it's like a wrestler or a fighter cutting weight for a jockey. There's no question. It, those guys, and it's amazing to me, how they handle the horse flesh that they handle, you know. Yeah, yeah 108 it, it, pounds. It, it, they're, they're, but they are 
you know, they're, they're tremendous athletes. Uh, most of them, well, all of them are. Um, do you have a great, oh, did we lose you, Ed? Thank you. Yeah, I think he froze up. That's a great still picture of him, though. Yeah. Oh, we lost him. We'll bring him back in. Uh, looks like we lost him on. Uh, let's see. All right. Let's try and uh, I'll send him another one. Just go ahead and uh, we have a lot of questions coming. I know. Up. I know. He, he know, I'm telling you, this Ed's the man. He. He eats and breathes this stuff, man. So I'll send him uh, another link. Uh -huh. um, just uh, let him know that another one's coming to him. Okay. Yeah, I have a couple more questions for him for sure. Yeah, I was reading that today and all the stuff that you sent me that, that they can only run the Triple Crown one time, one time. when they're three years and, old. That's it. And we've talked about he, – he's he's actually taught me a lot about about that stuff and, and what you look for and, and um, how it works. And, and if you got him – first of all, he would probably pay us to come on here and talk. He loves us so much. But um, the – Oh, well, let's uh, let's talk to him about that. Yeah. <laughs> the Venmo. Yeah. Uh, the amount of training in the cost of the vet, the cost of the trainers. I mean, you talk about some of these horses that um, you don't buy, you don't buy them for much, but they end up, I mean, if you can break even on some of these, you're doing good. So that's the thing for him is he, he was really down when he, on some horses, uh, his best horse uh, or his favorite horse ever. Who's won the most is that'll leave a mark for him. And we can talk about that and the characteristics of him, but he just talks about, like a claim race or getting this, you never know. They could be the next winner. And I think that's for him as he still loves holding on to hope. So when he gets a new horse or he, another one's born, he's like, you know what? I got a chance. I got a, literally, I got a horse in the race and that's a pretty cool aspect of it for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I want to know though. Tell him, okay. okay, I pay everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I sent him another link, so he should be able to just click on it and jump right back in. Okay. Um, that was another thing that I wanted to ask him that I kind of wanted to bring up was, I want to know who's making the most money out of this deal. Is it the jockeys? Is it the mm -hmm. owners? Is it the train? Who is making the? I'm guessing it's probably the owners, right? I, I'm thinking that the jockeys can't be hard up i think the jockeys do pretty well um yeah i would i would think so but you know knowing somehow the bills are dispersed and whatnot if, if you win a big race the owner obviously comes out good but you know you think about like in golf your golfer or pro golfer like typically pays their caddy 10 percent. you know you're paying your trainer you're paying your vet you're paying your the jockey you're paying who transported the horse you're paying um you have all these up like hidden costs in there but as far as who does well i would think after a while, if you have some established horses, the owners have to come out pretty good. Or if you're a, a trainer that's a well-known trainer, whatever. But I would tell you what I know. The most person that makes the most money are the breeders. If you have a horse, 
that can be bred and it's over. Oh my gosh, they make a fortune. And Ed can get into that is the breeding aspect of it and, and how much these horses go for and stud fees and all that stuff. It's that those people that are breeding horses maybe stand to make the most money. Yeah. I, uh, it's just funny when I hear him talk, he's like, yeah, I bought this horse and, mm -hmm. and then I bought another one and a third one. And that's really how it started for him. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, and I think, gee, many Christmas, man, I, I've got two dogs and that's too expensive for me. So for 10 grand and you're, 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 you're racing in some um, races that aren't as high stakes or whatnot. But if you know, like that'll leave a mark, I think, in his, his bio said that made him one hundred and thirty three thousand um, uh, dollars. That's not that's not too shabby. So Griffin seems to think that the breeders make all the money from the stud fees. Yes, that's what I think, too. I think that's um, that's where the money's at for sure. I mean, I, I, I would like to know, like, what maybe the some of the stud fees are. And, and, and Ed will know, but. I mean, you're talking about horses going for like $10 million and stuff. Uh -oh. Yeah. It's just, and you don't know what they're going to be, but they have the gene. Growth. Didn't they, didn't they try and stud fee you whenever you were getting out of college? <laughs> stud fee me. Um, not exactly. <laughs> no, they were probably trying to uh, break up. I think the it was DNA. after the Alamo bowl, wasn't it? Well, first of all, I was caught, I was inbred. So there's, that's clearly obvious. <laughs> They just told my mom and dad to, if, if they were to get divorced, they could still be cousins. That's pretty much how it went. That's nice. That's nice. Speaking of that, while we're waiting on him to, uh, to get back in, um, there is, uh, you have your son again, right? I do. Uh, how's it going? Fantastic. Okay. All right. You're such a liar. Uh, Last week of school, last week of homeschooling was this. It week. was the last week, and you know what? They have school next week, but uh, I I don't think there's going to be a whole, whole bunch. done. And I want you to know, I did more algebra. First of all, I'm not good at. I mean, I had to relearn some stuff, but English three. Um, hopefully, no one's listening out there. But I pretty much did a cycle recovery for him. <laughs> His what? It's a cycle recovery for credits, and it takes a long time on the laptop. So I, I polished off my English three and um, made a dent in it for him. <laughs> okay, I don't know how you did that because I've received some of your text messages, and I can't make heads or tails of them. So, well, that's that's being. Did late. you did you have your wife check it? Come on, be honest. Check what. The work that you're doing. I don't doing. know. If she knew I was doing the work for him, she'd be pissed. Uh, Griffin asked, how much do I think that teachers should be paid now? Um, I don't know. Like a million dollars? I don't know. Because I don't want these damn kids in my house next year. Oh, I heard about your day of, uh, of homeschooling. It was quite challenging for you. Um, I don't. Well, today I didn't homeschool. Today I had a bunch of stuff to do, but um, yeah, we're we're done. So it's a past memory. Um, we can just move past it. We don't even have to talk about homeschooling anymore. I I just want the teachers out there, and we have a couple that watch the show: uh, Abby Griffin, 
Um, we appreciate you guys. Trust me. She's somebody so, said I have 173 kids to deal with. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's probably Griffin. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you this. I think teachers should get paid, um, you know, what their value is. And it's so hard to put that, put it, you know, people realize the value of that now because it's not just teaching. You're a psychologist, you're a counselor, you're a, a coach, you're a, you know, you're all these things, these kids, and you're spending way more time with them uh, than the parents are often most days. Um, um, I think the school system needs to put a stimulus check in the mail or, I mean, the government needs to put a stimulus check in the mail and just give everybody a twenty, thirty thousand dollars raise base salary. So I don't know how the money works, but I'm sure they can figure yeah. it out. Guess who's back? Mr. Ed. Ed is back. Hey, show everybody, your shirt. Hey, show everybody your shirt, by the way. Well, I, can't, I can't see anybody. Can y'all see me? Yeah, yeah, we can see you. Well, good. Here, it, right. it says, "I hear what you're saying, but I'd really just rather talk about horse racing." Okay. Well, we're going to get back into that because we have uh, a lot of questions now. We asked a couple questions while we were gone, while you were uh, having technical difficulties. Um, one of the questions was, "Who makes the most money? The breeders, the owners." The trainers or the jockeys? I can tell you it's not the owners. Okay. And that's what we were thinking was it's the owners or the breeders. The owners gets, well, it can be breeders if they, if they sell and then you get breeders awards and it can be owners as well. If you, if you have that American Pharaoh, uh, you know, your trainers get a commission your jocks get a commission. Uh, everything gets cut up. And of course, I'm an owner. So I think I'm just like everybody else that has to pay commissions and everything. It's great till you have to pay them. But here's and, the deal, uh, Ed. You also, as an owner, take on all the cost. No question. And that's, I mean, you might stand to make the most money in a race or two or whatever, but you're carrying all the burden of the cost, no matter if your horse is running, losing, winning, or whatever they're doing. That is absolutely correct. Um, now, go ahead. Go ahead, you. Jeff. Go ahead, because I've got uh, I've got a couple questions that are coming in, but they're about horse breeding and owning a horse in general. So I think you can okay. speak to those too, Ed. Okay. So he says, what's the average cost to keep a horse a year? Maybe not a race horse, but one for a ride, for recreational, things like that. Oh, that's way different, but go ahead. I, I'm not. I'm not sure that I know that a lot. Of, a lot of that has to do with just um, if you're keeping you it feed them and stuff, right? Place, um, if if you're keeping it at somebody else's place, if you're keeping it at a farm where they're charging you board and things of that nature, so it can it can vary. Um, you know, I would think that uh, if you're keeping it somewhere, just just a horse is probably. I'm gonna guess it's anywhere from fifteen to twenty dollars a day. I don't, I don't, I don't, and I don't know that. Okay. Uh, uh, 
And then the second question on that is how much acreage do you need per horse, per average, just for a recreational horse? Well, we say for like mares and babies and, and horses in general that you need an acre per horse. Uh, I've seen, and y'all have too, you know, 10 horses on an acre and then you see one horse that's got lush 20 acres, but, uh, you know, uh, on average, I've, I've always been told an acre per horse. But okay. and get, and speaking kind of the cost, though, I mean, you're looking like, you know, say you, say you have a horse that's running, they're training all they can train, and you have your vet bills, your horse bill, then you have all that. I mean, let's be honest here. And not, I mean, you're looking at, what, at least five grand a month just to maintain a horse and feed it and, and treat it and care it? Uh, it's going to be depending on what happens and this could go up. I've never had it go down, uh, at the track, a horse at the track is going to cost you between 40 and $50,000 a year. Say that one more time. A horse at the racetrack will cost you between 40 and $50,000 a year. Damn. And let's go back. Let's go back to where this conversation started, DJ. Okay. Okay. Um, if I'm going to pay fifty thousand dollars a year, I don't have a seventy-two Vega. I've got a nicer <laughs> car. Am I going to abuse that car? Hell, fifty thousand dollars a year, and knowing Absolutely. if I do seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Yeah. yeah, because you you've got all those vet bills and everything else. If you do, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so uh, can we go back to jockeys for just a minute? Because we had another question come in. Okay. Um, and they said we talked a little that the that each jockey has its agent and they kind of pick the horses, but the owners do they pick their own jockeys for their horses or how does that work? You know. I, that's a that's another really good question. Now I'm not going to sit here and tell you. Matter of fact, I I had a discussion uh, just in the last couple of days with my trainer about a horse and who we were going to ride uh, get to ride the horse, and I gave my reasons and everything, and and we discussed it. It varies from person to person. Okay. Uh, Bob Kraft does not tell Bill Belichick who to start and who to play at what position. Okay. Jerry Jones, on the other hand, <laughs> has been accused of doing that. Uh, so owners... You know, it's it's the same type situation. Um, some owners demand things. I look at my trainer. If if I've got a if if I can't trust my trainer, who's my head coach, I'm going to get another trainer. Absolutely. Um, because that that fifty thousand dollars that we're talking about about a horse, that's not even we're not even scraping the 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 surface yet are we about the trainers and all that kind of stuff i mean that's still more money 
Yeah, that includes the training bill. The fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, your training bill and and everything else. Yes. Now, obviously, you're 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 moving a portion of that back, and and you know if you've got a lot of times you'll have one horse that'll cover the barn, cover right. cover your whole stable. Um, but but is but that a rarity? Run and win. But is that a rarity to have one horse that'll kind of? It's it's going to take teamwork, right? Well, it does, but I've had you know different horses pay the bills for a different month, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's not really. You know, you win a a race, a maiden race in Texas now, and the legislature has did a great job in their last session to help us improve purses and compete in Texas uh, with our neighboring states. Uh, But like, you know, a maiden race in Texas right now at Lone Star Park is pays $34,000 is the purse. So, sorry about. So, hey, can you explain? I know you did this for me, and and for all the mundane listeners, what's the difference of horses? You have or, or, or mares, uh, foals, fillies. Can you go through all those and just kind of briefly tell us what they are? Yes, <laughs> a filly, uh, a foal is a newborn. It's a baby. Okay. Okay. Um, a filly is a girl. A colt is a boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they get up to a, then as they g- grow up and they get This is where it gets like, complicated, right? Well, when they get to be like five years old, then the, the horse become will become a mare or if she's retired and starts having babies and she's becomes a brood mare. A colt becomes a horse at age five, that's how they're listed in horse racing terms. A horse, if they've still got all their equipment. If not, they are what's called a gelding. Uh, and they've been gelding, off. Yes. And I, I'm telling you, in nine times out of ten, everybody thinks their horse is going to be the next big sire of sires and get all this money for stud fees and everything else. Not, not going to happen. Uh, more times than not. If, if generally a gelded horse, there's nothing better than a gelding, be it racing, be it having their mind on racing instead of girls, being it, uh, having, uh, being a, a better horse, to ride, to keep at your place. Uh, just, just like a lot of dogs. I mean, there's, there's, they're just, they're just yeah. better. That's correct. Now, I will tell you, I, I remember the going back to my very first horse, Dixie Land Harry. Um, we ran a race at Louisiana Downs and he didn't run good. And the trainer told me, he said, you know, Big cigar, I think we really need to geld 
And I'm standing there looking at Harry outside the <laughs> stall. And I had him and I said, man, that sounds awful. I mean, it's my first horse. I looked at him and, and um, I'll never forget what the trainer said. He said, big cigar, how much easier would your life have been if somebody had done that to you at the age of two? <laughs> and I said, Harry, I'm sorry. I've got your best interest in mind. And so we did it. So and, and people are coming across some questions and there's some personal questions. Um, and I was talking about uh, that'll leave a mark. Can you kind of go through your race horses over the year? I know your race horse called that leave or named that leave a mark is near and dear to your heart. And there's a little mark. And I think that leave a mark was the most um, um, uh, profitable horse you had. Can you talk through your horses and, Maybe, yeah. maybe how much you've bought some horses for. Yeah. Um, Ikatero, um, uh, let's just start with him. We claimed him at Churchill Downs for $40,000. And he won a race and we got him claimed from us for 50000 and he won and you know, we doubled our money. It was great. Life was good until we decided we wanted to take him back for $62,500. <laughs> and we did. And eventually he, he was claimed off of us for $16,000. <laughs> now, and, and, and I know you asked me about my horses, but let me just, let me just tell you something. Last year, the Kentucky Derby winner, uh, the Kentucky Derby winner that got disqualified, maximum security. Do you realize in January, before the May Kentucky Derby, you could have claimed that horse at Gulfstream Park for $16,000? Oh, my gosh. And nobody did it. <laughs> so it, it, it won the race. It was available to buy. And nobody claimed it. Nobody claimed the horse because, and then they didn't, nobody knew what they had, which again plays into the question the individual asked about how do you know? How do you know? Well, that horse got disqualified out of the Kentucky Derby, had a problem, went this uh, year uh, in February and won the richest horse race in the world in Saudi Arabia. So, you know, you never know. Getting back to my horses, um, that'll leave a mark is my all-time favorite because he was my first homebred horse, the first horse born from my mare. Uh, and he has such a huge personality, um, incredible. And he was so durable. Not many horses win races like he did. He won at the age of three, four, five, six, oh, and yeah. seven. Um, he was the ultimate, in, and, and it was just a party to him. Life was a party. He loved to run. Um, he's my favorite horse of all time. Little Mark. Uh, which is the last 
baby that my original mayor had, which was also a boy, and I named him Little Mark, should be, I hope, running at Lone Star here in the next week or so. He's ready to go. We're just waiting on a race for him. We'll, uh, have, to, we'll have to keep everybody posted if he, if he enters and what's going on with that. Yeah, Ed, I, I I don't want to I don't want to get in your business, but I I have a great name for a horse. Let me have it. Dads that drink. Dads that drink. You know, ability. Uh, it's kind of like when I was offline and I could hear you that maybe I needed to Venmo you some money. Maybe we could cut. You know, well, that's what I was going to say, Ed. Is uh, we can become investors, right? <laughs> Pardon? We, DJ and I can become investors in a horse. You can get us a horse, right? Oh, I'm going to tell you like I tell everybody. <laughs> and and this is the truth. If I ever talk to you about buying a horse, <laughs> do not walk away from me. Run. I promise you I'm not going to shaft you, but run. Don't walk. Run. Because the fear is that you're going to love it like I do. And, um, uh, it's what oh, I, Ed, I I cannot I can't afford a fifty thousand. I I can barely afford two dogs that I have. Well, so. the thing is a uh, a little ten percent here, a ten percent here. Yeah, yeah. You get, you get here. You, you have a stake in it where you can say you're a horse owner. Well, I I think that would be cool, but the horse that we buy would have to be called Dads That Drink or Adulting Requires Alcohol. One of the two. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I had a new baby on April 11th, the day before Easter. And it's a little girl, and I started to name the horse. Uh, I, I was toying, but I didn't think the jockey club would let me would let me name either one of them. Uh, I was either going to name it social distancing, or I was going <laughs> to name it uh, quarantini. Quarantini, <laughs> which is similar to the dads that drink the whole. Kind of. Believe it or not, I don't know where I read it, but I heard some human beings are naming their kid like Corona and all sorts of stuff right now. So we almost named the new dog that, but uh, we really we we gathered our our senses back and just named her Lucy. <laughs> yeah, you know, a, a name will will show up and and come, but I will keep that one. I will keep that one in mind. Uh, Maybe we can slap a kind of like a bumper sticker, a <laughs> sticker on the horse's butt when it runs. Hey, listen, I'm for anything right now. Anything to get our name out there, uh, I'm I'm absolutely for it. I totally understand, and I'm for anything that uh, uh, you know that. I mean. It's not $50,000, but $50 goes a long way. It's $50 more or less than I owe. But. There you go. So <clears throat> if you don't mind, because I've had someone that has asked it a couple times, so I think they really want us to ask. But it's, it's one of those things that we just have to ask about in sports. So they want to know how prevalent that steroids are in the top, top horses that because we talked about the winner of the Kentucky Derby had a little bit of problems and stuff like that. I don't know exactly what that was, but they've asked it like three or four times. So I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll ask. And, and you can maybe tell us from your standpoint. From my standpoint, I can tell you 
that when cheaters are found, they are dealt with severely. Now, obviously, when you say steroids and you say performance-enhancing drugs, okay, there are therapeutic drugs and things that a horse uh, might need that are legal and are illegal, which okay. brings up another point because things rules are different in different states. We really need a national commissioner for horse racing, not Roger Goodell, but we need somebody. Um, <laughs> but we don't have that. Uh, how prevalent is it? You know, I really, a lot of your top horses, they don't, they don't have to run on anything. I, I'll never forget in, in, 2004, when the Breeders' Cup was at Lone Star Park, and uh, a horse by the name of Vachado, they were sharing a barn with us, the Breeders' Cup horses. And I asked them to either move my horse or, or theirs, because my horses, you could see my horse would look at that horse and just drop his head, you know, like, wow. Um and well, let's go into that for just a minute because I, I don't think a lot of people know. So, w w when you see something like that, what does that mean? Well, it, it, what it means is they know. Okay, if you're uh, I don't know, pick pick a school. Uh, I don't want to pick on a school, but if you're a itty bitty do nothing school that's not won a game in three years okay, and, and you're scheduled to play South Lake Carroll Friday and you know what's getting ready to happen. Horses, you know, can know that. Uh, the only good thing about horses, they don't read the paper. They don't read the racing form. But getting back to that deal, these Adonis horses, horses, for lack of a better term, all these Pegasus, that you see on television running in these races at the 2004 Breeders' Cup, I was asking uh, our vet, I said, man, I'll bet you're going to make a fortune this week because all the Breeders' Cup horses are there. He said, nope, just a shot of Lasix four hours before they run. And he looked at me and he said, big cigar, these horses don't need nothing. I don't have to use baling wire and duct tape on these horses. They're perfect. And that's what you get a lot of. Now, are there cheaters? Absolutely. We had a couple found out uh, here in the last couple of months. Um, and those people get severely dealt with in our sport, just like in others. I, I know I can only speak from my barn and our trainers and and we don't absolutely, do absolutely. we don't do that. It, it, because i i think that in the end it, yeah there might be a short-term benefit to it you, you know what i mean where you're going to win some races and stuff but i think long term you're going to end up hurting your horses you're going to end up hurting your brand name there's there's a lot of different things long term or way down the road that that I don't think they're either thinking about or know about or whatever the answer may be. 
because you've been around the sport for a long time. So I'm see, I'm sure you've seen them come and you've seen them go. Yep. Um, and, well, and that's DJ, not to cut you off, but also, no, 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 go ahead. You look at the reputation, like, you know, horse owners and these people are, are, they have proud names, they have proud reputations, very long tradition. They really don't want to be associated with that. And you look at like baseball or you look at like Lance Armstrong and cycling, his image is tarnished for Yeah, he won. And yes, he was great. But these baseball players are still an Australian and they're not getting this. So there is a chink in their armor. There's still this asterisk by their name. Absolutely. And I think that's what you want to avoid is why would you want to, the asterisk might be more embarrassing than not winning, if that makes sense. Well, and I'll tell you what's what's another great deterrent is I say it's a great deterrent. It is for me. I, I again I'm not gonna speak for everybody, but I I do believe the people I know are the same way. You know, a trainer that does generally if a trainer's doing something like that, the owner does they doesn't have any knowledge of it. Really? Uh, yeah, that's correct. I mean, I'm not out there every day. Uh, True. Uh, and, but what happens is even more so than getting caught in the NFL or something like that, you get caught in this game with the wagering matrix and everything like it mm -hmm. is. You're going to prison. Wow. Because you defrauded the the public, the government. Yeah, you know, and and that's the whole thing, and and that's what I hope that people take away. That's why we wanted you so bad on the show and stuff. Is we hope people take that away because it's a very it's a very fun sport to take part of uh, the 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 gambling aspect of it and and when i say the gambling aspect of it i'm not a huge gambler myself i mean <laughs> jeff and i've been to a casino together how much money did i actually spend i think it was like 10 bucks yeah let's not talk about that yeah so jeff lost his ass uh but <laughs> it was fun i and the reason that horse betting is so fun for me is is because it's just like I say, I can sit and watch it. Yeah, you take part in it, but you can put as much or as little as you want on it and right. and just either do it for fun. Now, I know, of course, some people get crazy about it, but that will, I can promise you that'll never happen with me. But um, I, I really, with Lone Star Park being so close to us right now, I, I really hope that people kind of embrace this and and that we see a bigger season this year than we ever have yeah if they'll if we get to where we can let spectators in that's the key but but i will tell you you're right it's the it, you know you got 10 races and you got 20 dollars. you can have more fun and maybe turn that into a lot more than 20 and you have uh, the, any uh uh what super effectives that can win you five grand yeah, 10 grand I, Ten cent, super. Ten cents, yeah. Well, the thing about that is, is here again, if if New England wins, well, the Patriots won. If you go the horse track and you bet two dollars, it's my you horse. Won. Yeah, and uh, there's a, there's a huge difference. And plus, if 
I would encourage anybody if they've never gone and stood down on the rail. Oh, it's amazing. And, and just felt the earth shake as, as these incredible athletes run by and hear them. It's, it's incredible. It, you need to do that and, and, and just uh, experience that. For Sorry, sure. I was looking for my uh, picture of me and Andrea in the winter circle at Lone Star Park with a racehorse, and uh, I've misplaced that. That wasn't a thoroughbreds. That was just the the quarter horse. The quarter horse. It was a guy named Larry Godfrey that 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 is on a dear lease with my dad and golfs. It was the his horse's first race ever, and I was running late. And he goes, "You gonna bet? You gonna be here?" I go, "Put twenty bucks on the win." It was a twenty to one odds. He won that race. Wasn't a bad little And that's so what we got is. someone that says they don't want to brag, but they won $125 at Lone Star. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 and, and the thing is, you know, you're doing it by outsmarting the public, the rest of the public. Uh, you know, you know what I like to bet on, Ed, is I like the, uh, the trifecta and the uh, exactas and, and do those a box sometimes. Uh, I, I usually have some good luck with those. I do. The box is a little bit harder because when you box it, if you don't know, you're actually saying they're going to come in that exact place. Whereas if you didn't box it, uh, your trifecta, you're just any a combination of those three horses that come in first, second, or third, you win. And then, of course, um, the soup uh, uh, exacted, but that's the first two horses, right? Um, yes. In whatever order. And then when you box it, you're saying that number one horse, number two horse is going to come in that order. So uh, I really enjoy doing those a lot. And um, I don't have a lot of good luck, but with horse racing, I, in my inexperience, it's not been too shabby. That's probably I'm good. Hard, I'm, probably so ignorant, I'm probably so ignorant and unknowledgeable, it helps me. Yeah, I mean, you know, the most, but I, I mean, I'm not a good, good better. Like I said, when we first started this, I, I, I can handicap a race, but I'm not a good better. And there's there's a huge difference. Uh, the most common question I'm asked when people found that find out that I'm involved is, and I guarantee you this is by far the most common question. The first one is, do you bet on your horses? Well, my comment to that is every day. I think my answer would be, hell yeah, they cost $50,000 a year. Like yeah, I mean, every day, yeah. That can cost more or less, but I'm just telling you, if you're if you're paying, you know, if it can happen, if there's one board with a nail sticking out of it, my horse will find it. <laughs> <laughs> so Let's let's go over history real quick again. How many horses have you owned throughout your career? Total. Oh, I have no idea. Really? I, yeah, I don't have any idea. And you might have How many do you currently own? You sold them, right? I've sold a lot of them. I've claimed them. I've I've had them claimed, I've traded, I've given them away. Um uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly and that's the honest truth, I honestly can't tell you. How many do you currently own? <laughs> no, I've gotten rid of 
no, this is not going to sound that bad because I've gotten rid of two in the last month. Um, but didn't you have two before Easter? <laughs> okay, let's just go through. I got Little Mark, Lumberjack Leslie, Pack Your PJs, and the new foe, unnamed foe. So I'm, I'm down to four. Wait a minute. You have an unnamed foe? Oh, yes, you no. have a year old birthday to name them. And it has to be approved by the jockey club and put on their papers and all kinds. I think Dad's the Drink is a phenomenal name once well, again. And I, I will tell you why I don't name them early. It's because uh, you can. It's not. It's not that big a deal. Right. But if, I, if I do put it this foal in a sale, a yearling sale, or a two-year-old training sale, which just a horse sale you want or I want to give the purchaser the opportunity to name their horse. Yeah, absolutely. So, and plus I don't like to even think about naming them until it just comes to me or somebody tells me something really crazy. Like Jack Leslie, I can tell you, Ed was an offensive lineman at uh, Stephen F. Austin, the SFA Lumberjacks and his daughter's name is Leslie. Right. Yes. And uh, my wife, I've named actually two horses after her. My son. I thought you were going to say you named your wife. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, my son and Leslie was the last one in the family. She didn't have one named after her. So. Here we go, Lumberjack Leslie. And you know what's All cool right. is Ed's Ed's son is a is a part owner in some of his horses, and he's involved in and they have a really cool bond and 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 stuff through that. And what I'm thinking about all racing is going out there. It's beautiful, sunny. It really is a family atmosphere. We're talking about gambling and betting, and it sounds rough on the outside, but if you go to a place and you set up shop at this racetrack, it really is family friendly. And for Ed's situation, his whole family is really involved in what he does and. Um, he's got a great family and Ed's raised them well. And by the way, Paula Larson is like an angel on earth to put up with she this guy. She is an angel. She's always she in there on something. <laughs> but I'm telling you, uh, if you want to know anything about horses, contact Ed. Ed, we're about to blow you up. You're about to have an Instagram, a Twitter a Facebook account. You're about to you're about to blow up, Ed. I mean, we got 20 viewers, buddy. You're giving me way too much credit. I I do know by accident a couple of things about horses. I'm not sure I even know what Twitter or Instagram are, oh, except boy. that Paul follows them. You leave it to the dads that drink. We'll we'll take care of it for I you. I tell you who Paula likes, by the way. Sorry, DJ. She likes um, uh, Barstool Sports, which he's a huge horse guy. Uh, yes, Dave Portnoy, and uh, has done well. But she she likes to follow Dave. I think he owns some racehorses, right, Ed? Yes, yes, and they do a they do a good job of of promoting the sport as well. 
Yeah, they're they're way bigger than us. We get like 300 views a weekend. That's it. So, uh, all right. So we got a couple more for you real quick, okay? And then okay. We, I promise we're going to let you get out of here. I okay. think what this question means is it's it's pretty self-explanatory, but what I think it means is any superstitions. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, I only drink out of a certain coffee mug on race day. Okay. Um, I... I always, I've got one of these electric toothbrushes. I always change the brush head on <laughs> race. And if I get my brains beat out in a certain shirt, I never wear it again. Uh, I guess those are superstitions. No, that, that, but, that you know, up. And you know, what's crazy is, is Ed is, uh, you know, whether we're in the office that day and, he, and he's going to race or has a, a horse racing somewhere else that day. Um, uh, Ed's a nice, calm guy, whereas I'm a spasmatic, as he knows. And um, I can see him. It's like, you know, he's an ex-football player. I can see him working up the whole day, and he has his laptop out. And then, it, then the race is coming. And, and, and I never know what to say or how to deal with him because I'm afraid I'm going to ask a stupid question. Or maybe he leaves that day and he's going to prepare. Or maybe he flies out. I don't know if I'm going to text something that makes him have bad luck, but I want to be like, Hey, I love you, man. Hope you win. But I don't even want to wish him good luck. Cause I have no idea what to say or do that. It, if it might go against the norm or talking about it. But, um, we talked often about what it was like running out on the field in front of a crowd and, and roaring. But Ed, tell us the feeling when your horse is in the gates and then tell us the feeling when it's coming down the stretch and they're in the lead. If you, it. Great question, it, by the way. The biggest, you know, it's one thing. You can't describe the feeling when they're loading your horse into the gate. And you know it's on. And heaven forbid that they get to the top of the stretch and you got a chance. Because you honestly cannot feel anything. You you. <laughs> go numb you're uh, some people scream and holler and i sometimes do uh, i've had paul at remington park one time outrun that'll leave a mark down the stretch <laughs> screaming and, remington and, park and in oklahoma city beautiful downtown well it's not downtown but you bet remington yeah park. yeah absolutely he's an oklahoma uh, boy well there you go um but y you know it it's an incredible Incredible feeling that that is is just insane, and 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 the people. It's so hard. I used to think golf was hard. Trust me, golf's nothing. Try winning a horse race. It is tough. Um, okay, follow up question, Ed. And we've what? talked about this. Name or, or what are some of your most Favorite racetracks across the country. Uh, I know you're you're fond of Oakland Park, that's in Hot Springs, and um, you're fond of other ones. But give me your top three and why. Um, I love Oakland Park, and by the way, they ran 
uh, all through their meat um, this winter. I love Oakland Park because of the history and tradition, and I love the way they treat the horsemen like myself. Um, Very cool place. My family and I uh, ate pizza right across the street from it. Yeah. It's it's a a bucket list deal. Um, The fairgrounds in New Orleans on Thanksgiving Day, if you've never done that, put that on your bucket list. Um, That's always been their traditional opening day. They've altered from that before, but that's that's quite a hoot. Uh, Keeneland in Lexington, Kentucky, is it's Keeneland. It's it's Augusta. Really? Uh, yes. If you've not been to Keeneland, they run three weeks in the spring and three weeks in the fall, and the and the three week spring meet was uh, canceled this year. Oh man! But the Breeders' Cup this year is scheduled to be held at Keeneland. Race course, and they oh. are the they are they are a huge thoroughbred sales company. Uh, Keeneland, um, you've got to go there this year. That's your track, and that's your race. Yeah, of course, Churchill Downs is special for if if you've not been to Churchill Downs and seen the Twin Spires run at there and gone to the back and eaten at Waller's Drugstore. I mean, which is across the street from the backside. Uh, those are all great memories of Churchill Downs. And then, of course, Saratoga up in Saratoga Springs, New York. The spa. Uh, they run in the summer from July to Labor Day. So those those would be my favorites. Santa Anita that had all the problems. I really like that. It's, it's kind of a backdrop. backdrop. Oh, the St. Okay. Gabriel's. It, it looks it looks even better in person. Um, you know, Del Mar's a, a nice track, which is in San Diego, where the turf meets the surf. Being crossed, well, built that. Last question, maybe. You're a foodie. You are like DJ. Anytime we take clients out, whatever. Ed is the planner of where we go and what we get. Greatest meal at a racetrack ever. I have one more question after this too. That's 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 probably not fair because I'm going to tell okay. you Top three. That, it, that it was the Thanksgiving Day buffet at the fairgrounds. Okay, but okay, that's not fair. But that's you know, I mean, they had a built-in advantage. My gosh, it was Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Greatest drink you've ever had at a racetrack? Other than a Coors Banquet beer. Which I would say that's not a big drinker. I'm not not a drinker, so I'm going to say the unsweet tea at Saratoga uh, in a tent that I was in. Because they gave you... I gave you an orange and a lemon. It was very special. Oh, wow. That's, that sounds amazing. Listen, I'm big on unsweet tea. I hate sweet tea. So an orange and a lemon mixed into it. Uh, Jeff and I went to St. Louis earlier 
I guess this year. Yep. They had this water in the lobby of the hotel, lime, lemon, and orange in it. And it was the best water I've ever had in my entire life. So I can see that. I'm going to have to try uh, iced tea now with uh, an orange in it. I've had it with lemon, lime, all that kind of stuff, but I've never had it with an orange. Well, the, the only problem with it is if you, you, you know, you drink that for five and a half hours at the races and you wonder why you're nervous and can't go to sleep that night. But Oh, well. <laughs> and do you get nervous before races? Yes. <laughs> yes. And by the way, um, Kyle's getting married June 20th, the day of the... The day of the Belmont. No, it's really? the day of the Belmont. Wow. Um, you know, I mean, it'll be one of those so things. You're not going to steal his thunder and, like, make him watch it when he's going to, you know, top off the, the wedding and stuff, right? Well, I would, I, I would hope that he would work the the official uh, kickoff <laughs> after. You know, I hope I, I would hope that it would be in prime time after <laughs> Elmont. You know, uh, but that you know that's yeah. So Ed, we'll have to we'll have to have you on again during a, a college football segment because Ed knows his his football. Um, well, I would actually like to have him back again as we draw to the end of the Triple Crown. Oh, absolutely. Ed, will you check your schedule and make sure that you're available? You know what? <laughs> I, I can already tell you I've always had more time than money. So, I Yeah, I, I would love to hear as we get towards the end of that, as we go into the maybe like the last race of the Triple Crown, um, because they're going to be out of order this year, like you said, I would love to hear your thoughts going into it. So, so real quick, and let me get your quick thoughts on something. I know we're way past your bedtime, buddy. Um, Horse people get up at 4.30. I, I know. Exactly. Well, hey, uh, that takes me even more out of the owning a horse thing. Man. <laughs> well, Ed, am I a morning guy? What do you think? Oh, you're terrible, Watson. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so, you so much for saying that. Um, terrible. When you talk about the difference in the races, and we talk about training, and, and, and on this show, we even talked about how if you, um, like NBA, you start, you stop, or you're preparing for the NBA of the NFL season, the training and how you ramp up, right, to to certain races or certain events, now you train the offseason. How, how will all these change-ups and delays, will it – Will it affect the horse racing performance of those people? Like, how does other people of the horses like how does that intertwine with each other and changing up the schedule? You know, the long race on the front end does that play a pretty big equation into it? Ed? Sure, it does. Sure, it does because people people were pointing um, the fortunate ones were pointing to the first Saturday in May or the first Friday in May, by the way. Let's give equal time. Most people don't know this, but there's a race that's been run as long as the Kentucky Derby. It's called the Kentucky Oaks. It is the Derby for Phillies. It is on the Friday before 
the Derby on Saturday, and that same massive crowd that you see, they're there on Friday too. Uh, mm. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, but all these horses have been pointing to those races, uh, and they they had their prep races lined up because it's a point system to get into the Kentucky Derby. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a race tomorrow where you can gain points to get in the Kentucky Derby. Well, those weren't planned. Uh, the plan, when, you, when you're pointing a horse toward the Derby, you've got these prep races. Well, none of the prep races happen, or, or very few right. of them. And, and the one that did happen, the Arkansas Derby, uh, the last the Florida Derby happened, but then the the prep races that did happen, but then there's no Kentucky Derby following that. So right. yeah, every schedule is messed up. Um, it's going to be interesting. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, and I'd like to tell you that oh well they just do, but nobody's been faced with it before. Well, Ed. I want to thank you first off for coming in. Um, I know it was short notice, but with, you know, horse racing coming back in and it being really the only, the only sport in the business right now, um, we really appreciate you taking time to come here. And I absolutely, and I know Jeff does too, want you to come back when we get towards the end during the triple crown and, and kind of get your thoughts and things like that and, and how the season, because this season is going to be different uh than any other season ever i think you would agree to that and okay. as we as we come to the end of it kind of your i guess you would say like your final thoughts on okay this is what we did this is what came out better this is what came out worse this is all those different kinds of things so you are welcome on here anytime you want i definitely want you back on before the triple crown and i i can't thank you enough for coming on tonight well, thank y'all for having me. And and anything that please do not wager anybody any hard earned money based on anything that I said. And before you go, what can we plug for you? What big cigar stables? Um, uh, that'll leave a mark. What else can we plug for you? You need to plug the racetrack chaplaincy. Okay. Um, okay. People, people don't know this. People, you know, they think it's all seedy and everybody's cheating and and there's no good people. Well, the finest people I've ever met in my life, people don't realize that there is a church on the backside of every racetrack, or most of them, uh, that ministers to the needs of the backside employees and everything. And that need is tremendously great right now because... We've had people, they've had to take care of horses, but they haven't been able to run. So there's been no purse. So people, and, and I mean, the need is great. The racetrack chaplaincy of Texas at Lone Star Park is, or the, just the racetrack chaplaincy of Texas, RTCT, is very near and dear to my heart. And, and Ed actually got me on a, a, a daily uh email of the morning line which is a uh, through the chapel um and and i get it and um obviously it's uh goes hand in hand with horse racing and and i really do appreciate those and i read them every day uh actually when i'm a good christian you know what i'm saying but um no but real ed you know how i feel about you i love you thanks for coming on you're a dear dear friend 
And um, I really am glad you got to come on the show, buddy. Well, thank y'all for having me. It was a pleasure. Uh, I've made now my podcast debut. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we, we do all kinds of things like that. We've had world premiere records. I'm telling you, soon enough, we will take over the world, Ed, and you will be part of it. Well, there we you will, go. We will That's rain down on the general population on the backs of mighty stallions. <laughs> you guys are great. I, <laughs> All right, everybody. Good. Y'all be careless, will you? Thank you so much, Ed. We'll uh, we'll check in with you when we get towards the end of the Triple Crown. Okay, brother. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Okay. Thank bye you, bye. bye. All right. Bye. Awesome guy. Great, great guest. He's he's amazing, man. Yeah. He could talk uh, like, he could talk like he could he talks like that all day 24/7. And and you can tell we don't get a lot of work done. Hey, let, hey, let me stop you for just a second. So I've got Mikey in the green room. Uh-huh. Like getting his it is hilarious to watch. Uh, is it? His camera is flipping sideways and back and oh, forth no. and you you know it's 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 normal Mikey Jerome stuff. Now tonight though he has good stuff planned. He is going to do a uh, mint julep that is famous at the Kentucky Derby. So I I don't know what he's doing. I'm going to wait until he's done setting up his camera because he's, <laughs> he's all over the place. That's great. That's about normal. And and I think he's cussing us out because he turned off his microphone. So I think I upset Mikey because um, he posted a picture on Facebook. It was like, hey, I'm doing like 200 push-ups almost every day. And I was like, um, so does that mean sometimes? Me too. <laughs> he, and then he sent us that deal today with me. Bro, he get sent you, us like two or three of those. Get, get your dog together. I was like, damn, I must have fucking hurt his feelings. Hey, uh, do you see what I'm drinking? Uh-oh. What, what is that? It's hard to see from your... It's a Zima. That's a Zima? That's a Zima. Something special. I'm getting yes, so I'm sorority girl drunk tonight. Oh, look at you. You owe me a bottle, by the way. Yeah, I did. But I did buy it. <laughs> I did pay for it. Hey, uh... Selling horse good fun. I was trying to get some Blantons. I didn't have any. I don't, have think I've, I don't think I've ever had that. Oh, if you have Blantons, dude, you will be forever spoiled on high quality stuff. It is, it's a hundred, hundred ten dollars. You can't even get it hardly unless you're in a restaurant. It is the best whiskey I've ever had in my life. I, I don't think I've ever had it. And you can collect like. Um, the tops are like a horse and a jockey on it, and they have different positions. So you can collect all the different positions and line them up. It's so pretty cool. They're putting Zima. Something different. Yeah. Ed, Ed, malt liquor. I love that guy. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Um, I, I'm very glad that, that he came in. We need to go to the horse tracks, man. I'm, Absolutely. That that's a great time for you. Hey, hey, uh, you know, Claire, pick pick us four horses. We we never know what we're gonna win. And you can bet, you know, they have that ten cent uh superfecta. You can bet ten cents and possibly win like eight thousand dollars if all 
It's crazy. Hey, watch the watch the next comment. Can you hear me? Clear my <laughs> Who do you think that is? That's gotta be Mike. <laughs> oh, now we lost him completely. So what the fuck's doesn't he know the deal by now? I don't know. I, I think he does it just to mess with us because I told you I talked to him on like a video chat last week. And so I sent him last night. I said, What's your drinks for this week? I don't hear from him. Nothing. This morning I get, isn't today Friday? <laughs> well, did he not call you on a Thursday thinking it was the show? Yeah. No. Yeah. So he, he said that. And, uh, he, <laughs> so, so this morning, I'll go back to that one in a second. So this morning he texts me and says, uh, isn't today Friday? And I go, yeah, that's why. Bro, I go, that's why I sent that to you last night. And he goes, okay. So he, he puts it together and then he starts sending us those, uh, the, the he's like recording his voice now on cartoon characters. He was dogging my dog. Get your well, dog. I know. Oh, he is. He's yeah, I don't know. Hold on. I'm going to bring him into the stream just to show you what's going on. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. Is he clothed? And there's Mikey Jerome. <laughs> why, why are you guys sideways? You got to turn your camera, Mikey. Dude, you know what the thing is? My, my camera's on. I know you it's can. on. You got to turn it. Bro, you, this is like the fifth website differently you've used per episode. <laughs> what does that do with your camera? Cause I, yeah, I'm trying to get us the best quality, Mikey. Dude, you like every time? How am I supposed to know? Like, I can't. I have to do it sideways. This is out of control. By the way, I'm working on my Christopher Walken voice. Yeah, well, you better work on your push-ups because that's what you're gonna be doing. Oh, bitch! You come, you come, I'm coming for you. He goes, "Hey, man, I do 200 push-ups sometimes every day." All right, so I tell you what. I'm going to do push-ups right now, and you're going to do push-ups. We're going to see what old man does the most. Who you got your money on, DJ? Oh, I'm going to go you for sure. Oh, bro, you have no idea. Oh, come on, man. All right, so everybody that's watching right now, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, the gambling. Oh, oh, look, 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 this, wait a minute. Well, hold on. Hold on. This motherfucker can't get his camera right to make drinks. But to do push-ups, it takes him 30 seconds to get it correct. The, the truth of the matter was, I was trying to work my iPad, but I, it wouldn't work for your... Uh, Honestly, I could probably throw down about 50 real style at one time. It's impressive. We're going to find out what you can do, because we're going to do it on Oh, camera. my God. He's calling you out, Jeff. Well, how, am I going to get my laptop down and mess up all my equipment and shit? Uh, are we going to go... Uh, <sighs> I don't even know how to do this. This is unprecedented. Yeah, gonna, you know what? Uh, uh, let's do it tomorrow. I'll bet you $100. Oh, okay. So here's what we'll do. Tomorrow, we will get both cameras ready. Uh, we will get both cameras ready. We'll film it, and I will put it on the Dads That Drink group. I mean, I, I think that's awesome, bro. I ain't scared. You can do 50 push-ups? That's impressive. I can't do that. You beat me then. 
at one time? I don't know that. I'm just so w- I- listen. And Mikey, I've seen you posting on uh, on Facebook every day that you're taking dudes' money on the golf course. So I know you got a hundred bucks laying around for this. No, I, yeah, but I don't bet. I'm not a stupid better. Like, no, we're not going to bet. I'm going to put up a hundred dollars, and you put up whatever you want, and we'll donate it to a charity. Well, there you well, go. I mean, it's great. It's great. You have money to a charity right now, but I'm uh, I'm trying. I'm, I'm starting my first job on uh, Monday. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to donate a hundred dollars to a charity just for us doing it together. You don't have to put up anything. Dude, I swear to God, I'm going to push out every push up I can. I know. I will too. That's good. Bro. All right. So, so that's what we'll do. We will, we will film it tomorrow. We'll put it up on the group page and we'll just see who does the most. Okay. Yeah. Well, you'll probably beat me. I'm, 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 I'm pretty flabby right now. I, I, I'm going to be honest, Jeffro. I don't think you can do 50 pushups. Well, where are you at, bro? Well, hold on. I'm not jumping in this. I'm not saying I mean, that. Like, really? I still they, got some muscle left in this. They say that if you could do your age, you have a 95% chance of not having a heart attack. Well, do your age without stopping? Like, if, yeah, if you could do, like, if you're 42 and you could do 42, Ooh. then you're, you're. I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, I, I know I can do at least 25 or 30, but not, I don't think I do 44. See, now I'm confident I could whoop your ass. No, no, I'm not going to match it. I wouldn't embarrass myself, but I would. Listen. You said you could do 50, and now you're saying you're going to do 20. Well, it's for charity now, you know? Because I, I, I know I could do probably, I, know, I definitely know I could do 35. I probably could do 40. I want to do my age. My goal is to do 42. Now, everyone's going to come in when we're both doing push-ups, and they're going to say that the push-ups aren't real push-ups. That's just going to happen. Oh, for sure. I mean, if we're going to do so all I'm gonna that. Be, I'm gonna so be we got okay a question that came through for you, Mikey. I'm going I'm gonna to do my push-ups as full as I could do them, but I'm not going to get on you for doing half push-ups if that's what it comes down to. I'm, I'm going to use my teams. What? Uh, we got a question that came through for you. Okay. What's up? Is he drinking – the night before his first day of work. Okay, so I actually probably won't be drinking. Um, well, I'll be drinking like probably a drink or two, but I'm not going to be. When I go to when I go to work, I I go sober, and I'm a bartender that kind of bartends sober too, only because like I don't know, like it, it, I just don't ever do it, and I've kept my like I've seen all my a lot of bartender friends lose jobs, and uh, right. And I've seen them age rapidly. So I just didn't want to be the guy. Like, I don't do drugs. I I, I drink. And, uh, you know, how I feel about the cannabis. Um, but other than that, like, if, if anything, I'm, I might pop a five milligram, like, uh, edible that they sell at the uh, weed stores down here. That's about it. Yeah, those make you feel good. It's like having two. It's like having two beers without the calories, pretty much. That's just two beers? You know what? Two beers, I think, is the best buzz. You know, like, I feel so like this. A five milligram, how long? I mean, like, if I'm just going to drink two beers, fuck it. I'm going to drink at least five or six. Well, well, I understand that. But with weed, you don't want to overdo it. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I got to step in here. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take a break. Uh, go to the bathroom. Mikey, get your drinks ready. Okay. Um, You're not allowed to talk about marijuana in Texas. Is it illegal? No. Yes. 
Yes. No. It, yeah, it is illegal in Texas. Absolutely, it is. I know. It's like you Texas people are like anti bud It's like a medical thing out here. We'll uh, we'll talk offline, Mikey. It helps. Uh, for, okay. I, I got you. Yeah, it's 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 time to have the talk. Yeah, we'll we'll talk offline. What's, uh, so, what's that, Dad, tell me. No, yeah, we'll we'll you talk. have to text him tonight before we go back on and tell him. No, I'll, I'll tell him during trivia. It's okay. Okay, uh, we'll play trivia. We'll uh, it'll be okay. Okay, so <laughs> we're gonna go. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> we're gonna take a break, guys. Oh. Don't leave us. Keep watching. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna put. <laughs> I'm gonna put something on. Mikey Jerome is back from California. He's gonna. What are you making tonight, Mikey? I am making a, uh, a, a for for the horse racing community a mint julep, probably the biggest drink you know that everybody yeah. makes, a Kentucky Derby style. Um, we make them every year at, at at my bar, just you know on the day of the Kentucky Derby. So it's a great drink. It's got it's got mint, bourbon, sugar water, and then water. Actually, it's we got to get drink. some big hats before you make it too. And, though, right? uh, and it's got it's got some it's got some marijuana in it too. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to take a break real quick, and um, and then we'll be back with the show, okay? Oh, Guys, don't go away. I'm just going to put up some music until we get back. Dash.
What's up, fellas? Um, what's up, everybody? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> Just, I won't say anything about anything, but I got to say in the state of California, bro, it's all legal. No. <laughs> it's just it's ironic. Just FYI, and funny, out here, it's game. It's a game time. So, I know. Uh, I, I was out there. I'm trying to strength to you guys. Um, it's going to be a, a refreshing, great drink. It kind of, it's kind of has like the hint of a mojito. Okay, so everybody that's tuning in, Andrea, respect right there. Um, Rita, this drink is for you. All right, this is going to be a, a good, tasty drink. So we're going to start off with about two ounces uh, of bourbon. Now, I did bring a big bottle of bourbon. I don't. Wow, I don't that is a it. huge bottle of bourbon. Yeah, I, it looks so like a dirty I bought ball. This for my buddy for his birthday, and the way in California, you have to buy the the alcohol, you have to order it online, and then it comes like a day after. So I bought my buddy; uh, it was a birthday present. We we're gonna go see him, and it didn't come in time. So what I did was I bought him another bottle, and I just kept his bottle. <laughs> so this bottle is a bottle called Willet. If you ever buy a bottle of it's Kentucky bourbon. 
It's uh, aged bottled in Kentucky right here. It is hands down a very sweet, great bourbon. But today I'm going to use the Woodford Reserve Double. That's good stuff too. Okay, yeah. right there. You say was it it's bullet? Very tasty. So we're going to put two shots. Okay. Bow. Bow. Okay, there we go. All right. So the next, the next drink, the next, we're going to take some sugar water because you got to make it sweet, right? So. You want to take about a half ounce of that right into there. All right. So now you have so you have your two ounces of your bourbon. You have your sugar water. Now what we're gonna do is we're gonna take this is just regular water. You can use soda water, some people, but I use water. And you're gonna level that out right there. Okay. Then you're gonna take a lime. Okay. This is the best way to squeeze a lime right here. You take two forks, and you're going to just kind of twist and squeeze it all in there and you're going to get the most juice. You know, some seasons the lime is going to be more juicy. Some seasons it's going to be, you know, there's going to be nothing in there. But Missy bought about 24 limes at Costco today. Hey, do you ever I, put I, the I lime in the I was like, yo, baby, where are you? Because she was supposed to come home. And yo, baby. she's like, I'm at Costco. It's busy today. What do you think? I was like, oh, babe, I love you. I care about you. You know, come on. By so, the way, um, don't you love awesome. Costco? She brought, um, so she bought me like all lines. I love Costco. All my stuff. What did you say? I love hey, Costco. You're not listening to anything I'm, I'm telling you? No, I'm oh. asking Jeff what he said. I love Costco. No, you said something about me. Yeah, I can't see Jeff on the feed. He like dropped off or something. Oh, yeah. really? That's He's there. Jeff at? He's here? He's there. Yeah, he's there. I can't hear him. Bitch. He's gone. How about oh, there he is. I see him on the... Ready? Bow. Okay, you want to slap it like that. And this is the mint right here. Boom. Okay? So we got mint, sugar, bourbon, water. All right? And mint, sugar, bourbon, we're not going to shake this one. We're going to kind of push it down, muddle it. Now, if you go to your racetrack, what you're going to do is you're going to see someone in a beautiful hat like a really friggin' awesome exotic hat and dress. And the guy's going to be wearing a fedora. And he's going to be drinking one of these things. He's probably have a cigar, a Macanudo, a punch, maybe a Cuban. Who knows? Is that legal in Texas, Cubans? <clears throat> no, they're not legal anywhere in the United States. Oh, okay. See, I know that you know that now. Now that we know, know, know about each other. Okay. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take this, dump it into our fine glass. And then right here. I've been growing this mint on the side of my house, and it's just... Oh, I like that. Nice. <laughs> it's been taken off, and I'm like, Missy, am I not the best gardener ever? She's like, it's a weed. It grows. <laughs> I was like, but I but nursed it back to still home. made that. And That's there you guys go. This is right here is a mint julep. So the next time that you guys do have the derby, you can make them. Okay? Did you make you one right there, Dustin, or what? I'm just drinking your bourbon. Party. No, I, I made one. You can't see? Looks good, dude. Yeah, there you go. What do you, what do you think of the taste of it? Delicious. <laughs> Jeff, how you doing back there, man? Absolutely fantastic. How's Jeff Watson? Man, if I was any better, I'd be Mikey Jerome. You can't hear me? Hello? <laughs> Are you there? Is he Is he not talking? Is Jeff in No, he's there, and he's talking. How come I can't hear him? I I have no idea with your technical stuff. I have no idea. 
No, I, I could hear everything that you guys were saying until you guys went on your little break. Check one two. I, I can't. One, two. I couldn't hear. It. I can't hear anything. But I, yeah, so I could hear everything that you're saying. I didn't change one thing. Did you mute me? No, you're not muted. Yeah. So I don't know what to do. Should I pop back on? Yeah, try that. All right, we'll try to pop back on there. All right. <laughs> okay. He, he's pretty popular these days. He is very popular these days. Hey, I was watching the uh, Haunted House episode tonight before we came on. The one with uh, Jack Osborne. Yeah, turn it though. Turn your camera. Yes. All right. It's all right, guys. You only have to deal with me one more show. That's not true. You're going to be on that. many more shows. Is that it? No. You're only going to do one more? I don't know because, so like my one company got the uh, the loan for, uh, it's called a PPP loan or something like that. So they're giving small businesses loans, but you have to employ at least 70% of the um, staff. So my owner knows that I'll probably make it more on unemployment than I'm going to make right. to, to go food. But at the same time, he still has to employ 70% of the staff through payroll. So, you know, he's only giving everybody one day to work because, you know, because then you can still get some unemployment, you know, until there, there are places in San Diego, they're opening this weekend. Oh, really? There are, yeah, they're already open. Like you can dine at the. Is, oh yeah, we've, we've had that in for a while now. That's awesome. So it's dine-in for restaurants only. That, like you know, they have to have uh, uh, over fifty percent food sales versus alcohol sales, and then they've only been twenty-five percent capacity the last week or two weeks maybe, and then I think bars open tonight. Is that right, DJ? Something yeah, like bars that. open today, but they're still at. Are they 50% capacity? 25% capacity. Right. Restaurants capacity. are at 50% capacity. Bars are 25. And yeah. it's crazy because like now it's like, how is a bar going to make money at 25% capacity? Like certain bars are going to, I mean, it's such a hard thing because like most. Oh, I, I definitely think they'll make it at 25%. They'll, they'll be making, because like <clears throat> I went out for a, a bike ride today and I went and got my haircut. So I rode like four miles to get my, my haircut and then four miles back. There was a restaurant right next door and I might have stopped in there to grab a beer uh, before I rode back. And it was, it was completely like as many people as they could have in there. And there were more people that were waiting an hour outside in the parking lot. Did you did you break the line because because you got connections? No, I just I set out on the patio. So um, most people wanted to sit. Yeah, most people wanted to sit inside. Uh, I I didn't mind sitting out on the patio, um, and I got right in. It took like I don't know five minutes to get in, but it was as 
as packed as it could be, it was that. And there were people waiting in line and line and line to. And that's going to be you know in, Mikey, so. uh, I had to travel this week for work. I mean, I didn't have to, but I, I, I pretty much am allowed to have my own um, kind of run my own show in a way uh, for my area. But um, I went and worked this week for the first time in two months, like out on a job site or business. And I would say to my parents Wednesday night in College Station, which is three hours away, but it's about an hour and a half from Austin where my business was. So I didn't have to stay in a hotel. Then I had a meeting that morning and then I had to go um, basically some work stuff like um, network communication things and, and, and tying in the software. But I just stayed in a hotel last night in Austin, which wasn't planned. And I was pretty, I was pretty nervous about staying in a hotel. Actually, I, I um, they were on like 20% capacity and it was a Hilton hotel, but um, it wasn't planned. And I was, I was a little nervous. Um, I walked across the street to get some food and uh, they closed early. I got some food to go, but I did not like staying in a hotel room last night. It's just I know. long story Weird. short. Jeff has syphilis now. Cleaned it before. Who touched anything? No. Well, no. What was it? It was uh, crabs. My buddy oh, you got from crabs. Uh, got crabs from Cron on uh, cardboard boxes, which there I had literally. My company didn't want this. I, I probably had about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of equipment in the back of my truck staying in the hotel last night. So I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So we said. I was really so, worried. We got people watching saying they went to happy hour and it was super busy. So, Oh yeah. They're everywhere. I went to Boomer okay, Jacks. So guys, week too. So guys, I got, I got to tell you this, right? So in California, people, we had a, we had a, I have a like my owner owns uh, 18 restaurants. One of my owners and the other one just owns one. So, so the one that owns one is reopening because he got the PPO loan. The other one got the PPO loan and he, Oh, can only open for takeout in certain spots. He does a place in Carlsbad. That place is open. But the places that he opened up just for food, the Board of Health had a guy they sent to our place. Somebody must have like taken a margarita, sent it back or something like that. And the person saw a drink opened up on a patio, closed our place down for two two hours or something like that. Because they, they, some busybody would go to it be like, wow, people are totally not social distancing. And they would rat him out to the Board of Health. And next thing you know, the Board of Health would come in and they'd shut him down. So what we're trying to do in California is we're trying to make it so that restaurants can use like 50 feet of property in front of it, like on a strand. Because a lot of like our beach community has like this, you know, just boardwalk, you know, area. So that we can just space tables out, it, like on front of our property, so that that doesn't happen. Because you can't control people. Like I could say, "Hey, don't stand near each other," but eventually there's drinking involved, you know. And you know, I'm sure you know DJ and you guys know. Like you know, you get even if as responsible adults, like we could be like, "Oh, we're standing too close right now. This is probably not good." But like when you're when you're a kid or you're in your 20s, you're not thinking about that. Yeah. So it was interesting. I don't do a lot of field work anymore, but due to the situation we had, I do like water meters and, and, and smart meters and like for like recording your water usage for a high. Anyway, we were at this one site and um, we couldn't get anyone out to program a part of the encoder. And we had to do stuff I've never done in the field. And even in the field, we were, it was only three of us. We were wearing masks. So um, 
we're having to drill a wire through a three foot wall to connect to a cellular endpoint and put on this tower. I don't do that shit, bro. I just know how to sell it. <laughs> and um, it was interesting. We had masks on and, and, and uh, I had to go to this other storage facility and pick up a bunch of material, but um, I didn't, I wasn't around a lot of people, but when I was out, I was so hyper aware. Um, I never thought I'd be that way, but I, I really am. And I'm like dousing myself in, um, uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, sanitizing lotion and wiping down everything in my truck. It's like, yeah. And then I went to a, I went to Bucky's today too, DJ, which Bucky's is a, if you never heard of Bucky's, um, Mikey, Bucky's is like, if you think of a gas station on like a gabillion pounds of steroids. Yeah. I think and it's got like a hundred gas. You can just buy everything in there. Yeah. Inside the gas station is. It's like a gift store. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's both crazy and fabulous. Actually. Um, I had a nice barbecue sandwich there today and some homemade chips and it's just good quality food too. But anyway, um, there were people all over each other there. It was kind of weird, but I don't know, man. It was was crazy. that's That's the thing I was asking my buddies. I was like, how has your dating life been during the, all the struggle? I go like, obviously all of us three, we're not in the struggle, but, and my one buddy's like, man, it's tough out there. He goes, Too full. Here's the deal though. Here's what I think is going to happen <laughs> with the dating life. My opinion is you're going to have people that haven't been around their people for a while or that are total hornballs. And, and during this <laughs> Corona, they're going to be out like, okay, I'm going to go bang you right now. Cause I have to have it. And there's going to be the people that are so like, Oh my God, I can't touch but I think you're going to see an increased pregnancy rate and probably more coronavirus spread because hornballs are like, I saw someone, I got to go home with that person. The single people, right? They're just like, um, it's on. You're going home with me. Yeah. I know. And then there's going to be people seeing people kissing, going, oh my God, they keep right. COVID. <laughs> so, so today we uh, we went out, we played we played volleyball, so we set up a net illegally. Um, don't report me, DJ. But uh, so basically, we, we set up the net and we set up the lines and, and, and uh, we start playing. And I told my one buddy, I go, dude, we better play quick because this thing's going to get shut down. And everybody in the park was really like, we were keeping our distance. We were playing volleyball. It was really fun. We played like four games. And then all of a sudden, the lady came and shut us down. And you know what? She was super sweet. I was, I know her because she's the, she does all the enforcement for my, my whole bar. Like, there's like, 20 bars on a strip right near the beach. And then there's the boardwalk and there's the ocean. So like we're the last restaurant right near the ocean. So we have a rooftop that just looks over the whole ocean. And there's this lady every Friday I'm bartending and she drives by in her little scooter and make sure everybody's keeping, you know, doing the right thing in their bars and everything. And she, so I was like, I introduced myself and I was like, Hey, I'm Mikey. I'm the guy who you let, you let me park my scooter there all the time. And, and then she was like, oh, my gosh, I know who you. I'm like, I always wear green suspenders. She's like, oh, my God, I see you every day. I'm like, she's like, how you doing? I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm doing. I'm, I can't wait to get back to work and all that. But um, it was cool. Like, I, I realized she was just doing what she had to do. Other people were mad at her and stuff. But you know what? She's just doing her job, you know. And it's, it's going to be how it is here on out. Uh, we have Gavin Newsom. They call him Gruesome Newsom. <laughs> He's just like, 
he's hardcore, man. Like, he doesn't want anybody to go back to nothing. Um, but like you – actually, you said, you know, you're making – or some people are making more money. There's a couple – like, uh, we had a guy on or our show earlier this year. Hey, named- real quick, not to cut you off, um, uh, keep talking, but uh, I'm going to bring my nephew on who's in California yeah, in the desert. With the yeah, with the Marines, yeah. I would and love just to, to get that. kind of his perspective of what they're doing out there. So absolutely, yeah. Awesome. Um, no, but uh, Mikey, uh, um, he works at the local bar here. So we had the other guy on named Nick Johnson that's dabbled in wrestling. So it's one of the first guests we had on. Anyway, the other bartender guy, he's making way more money now than he was when he was bartending. Exactly. So he's like, "Fuck this!" He's just you know doing his thing every day. But yeah. And that's All the right, thing, so like, we're going to bring on my nephew, who is a Navy corpsman who's stationed with the Marines out in California in the desert, and we're just going to kind of get a perspective of what's going on on their end in California. Scout, you there? Yeah, I'm here. So what's going on uh, at the base now? So we went to, you know, kind of like a lockdown type thing. Nobody, if you don't have military ID or you're a civilian, you're not allowed to come onto the base. Um, you know, food, for the most part, everything is going to be box chow. Um, myself, in my clinic, so I, I work in a clinic regularly, and I see Marines regularly on, on a daily basis. But right now, I'm actually seeing anywhere from 150 to 300 uh, Marines are in isolation for 14 days before they're actually allowed to go out into the base. So we have student population here to check them. Um, and every, every morning, you know, you have to go over everything, make sure nobody's popping any symptoms, everybody's temperatures are good, everybody's sitting underneath that bar so that we're not having a spread of anything. And then, and, you know, and then you're banned on travel too, right? You can't even go home to see your wife and stuff. So that, that's true. We actually, for last month we've been 30 mile radius to actually be able to travel out of the area and then just yesterday we were allowed to go 75 miles but where we live realistically the only thing that's closest is palm springs you know so can't go anywhere can't do a whole lot um and with the travel ban i, I think it's still going to be june 30th is whenever it's over um i've heard people talking about it you know pushing back into august I, I really don't know. I mean, it's just kind of sucks, but uh, I understand why we're doing it. You know, there's there's all all the way around Taliban. People aren't moving. People aren't transferring. It just it sucks. So, being in the medical field like you are, how have you had any cases on your base? So I'm honestly not sure. Once it gets to that, it's past me. Uh, I know that you know that we went into all of our different. Um, HP cons and kind of went into that lockdown, like I was saying. Once, once we, you know, do something with a patient like that, it's no longer on my side of it. It goes to like a preventive medicine. And then from there, anything like that is not usually disclosed to us. So I, I, I don't, I'm not tracking on anything like that in my, on my base, at least. Um, Scout, are you, are, mean, you out of, are you out of Camp Pendleton? I'm actually in 29 Palms. I wish I was in Camp Pendleton. I wish I was in Oceanside. That's um, awesome, man. But as far as, far as I know, and, I, and for my local area too, at least in where I live in my town, um, haven't heard anything about actual positive cases out here. 
I know myself, I, I haven't been exposed, at least that I know of. If I've been exposed, they would have told me by now. I did get, I was one of the first ones to actually get wronged out here, put on, you know, restriction movement, isolated just because they were scared um, from patients that I've been seeing. But other than that, no positive cases that I can really confirm that I know of. Hey, Scout, this is Jeff. So can you speak to how hard, like, you know, you're a fire, right? And, and I, I read one of your Facebook, became Facebook friends recently, but how hard are the restrictions? How long have you been away from your family? And I, I saw where you need your hads. So. so how long have I been away from my family? Yeah. So my son was born February 7th. I left on Mar or February 26th, I think, and I haven't been back since. Because as soon as I got back, I was three days out from being put into isolation because of my travel. I haven't seen him since he was three, two and a half weeks old. Three weeks old. Wow. And then, but I mean, it is what it is. And I, I totally understand why we're doing it. I can't really complain because there's a reason for why we're doing what we're doing. We don't want to spread that, especially when it comes to the military. We want to keep everything, everybody healthy and everybody ready to be able to do their job. So well, that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah, that says a lot coming for someone in the medical field too that has young kids that that misses them and loves them and, and doesn't want to do anything irrational, but realizes the um, the magnitude of what we're fighting here. So I appreciate what you do. Thank you for your service, by the way, and hopefully you get to see your your kids and, and your family really soon. Well, not only that, really see his kids, them. but uh, his brother just had a baby. Okay. Yeah, my my little brother just had his daughter three days ago. Wow. Um, oh, I'm just seeing FaceTimes and pictures of that. I mean, is he in the service also? A lot of, you know, no, he's back in Oklahoma. Okay. The, the, the only silver lining I mean, is nowadays you have technology where you can do FaceTime and stuff like that. When are you going to get to see them next? Uh, so hopefully July 1st. July 1st, I'm trying to, you know, go back home. My brother turns 21 on uh, 7th of July, so I'm trying to go home and, you know, have a little fun for his 21st birthday, see my kids, do everything out there. Um, and realistically, as long as all this stuff's going on, I don't want my family out here, especially with what yeah. I do and the, you know, how much I'm involved with. I don't want to be any harm on my kids. My daughter has really bad respiratory issues. My son is way too young. I, you know, um, I don't want to harm them in any way. So as long as this stuff's going on, I would rather just FaceTime my daughter and son every night and talk to them on the phone than hurt them in any way. No, I, yeah. I, I hear you, brother. It's scary, man. Definitely so scary. has anything changed on the base since all this has happened? So a lot actually has. Um, you know, just for starters, you know, I mean, you know, you, 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 you've seen it whenever you were on for, for the Army, whenever you on different posts, the, the stuff that's on base, at least, you know, the restaurants, stores and stuff like that um you know they actually closed a lot of the stuff and if it wasn't closed it's only takeout you know we have the freaking what is it food court inside the uh px exactly. closed down i mean um all of our fast food restaurants that are on base all of them when i say that is three it's a really really small main side not a whole lot of stuff there but you know everything's takeout there's no walking in sitting down eating and anything like that um, everything's more pushed towards the, the COVID type thing. I haven't really seen anything crazy, any changes or anything like that. They're like to where 
you know, other than people not allowed to come on base that aren't essential personnel, if they're non-military, all military still coming on base, but if they're non-essential, you know, civilian personnel, they have medical issues, they're not coming into work, stuff like that. But that's really the only changes is we're more strict on who's coming in and, with any military base, we're still going to have, you know, people doing dumb shit. So we're still having, we're still having regular changes and everything already. Like we already had, um, but just more strict on who's coming on the base and the way that we're approaching stuff. We're, we're all, you know, authorized to have a mask on at all times. So there's no getting in trouble for having a mask on, but everybody has to have one on at all times. Um, no matter where you're at, you know, I don't wear one in the car and I'll, and I'll be honest, I'm really bad about wearing a mask. Um, you're sitting there five, six, seven hours into your day, and it's like, I'm not wearing this damn thing anymore. I can't breathe. I, I'm sick of smelling this cotton fabric in front of my face. Because I'm, I'm not going to walk around with an N95 or even a surgical mask. I, I don't want that on my face. I'd rather wear, you know, the uh, a bunch of, so a bunch of the um, different families and stuff that are related to service members out here donated a lot of masks and everything to us. So we have a nice little cotton, comfortable mask. And I would, I would rather wear that than a surgical mask or an N95. And it just looks nasty if you're walking around with a surgical mask or N95 because in the medical field, you know, you wear that kind of stuff if you're inpatient care, you're actively seeing patients. And then the, the exposure and walking out and people saying, oh, they're wearing that, it's dirty or something like that. So right. I'd rather be comfortable. And it's also, it just doesn't look right whenever you're doing it. But the mask thing, everybody has to have a mask on. They're exciting they're people for not wearing masks. I'm really? excited. I bet I will. So what do you mean by, because I mean, we never had anything like this when I was in the military. So when they cite you, is it like, uh, is it non-judicial punishment or what? I don't, I don't think it goes to MJP. Um, I really don't know. Maybe I haven't been affected by it, but you know, I'm also on a, on a Marine Corps base, you know, you, you gave Marines first, an 18 year old, a chance to be a Marine. And then second, you gave him chance to be a police officer so you have a marine police officer that just graduated high school so he's going to go every way every which way to be kind of kind of strict out here so any anything that they see they they kind of kill you on but i have not been affected by it i haven't i've heard of people getting the sites and they, they did tell us that that you can get cited um one of the commands out here whenever i was um in a brief with them they were like yeah we've had guys get cited just don't do what don't do whatever they're going to come fighting for wear the mask, do what you're supposed to do. It's just, it's part of it. Um, and that, that's really the biggest thing is the mask thing. It no, you know, I was going to say, I've worn some of the cotton masks. Like we've ordered some. And uh, so I was telling these guys earlier, I was traveling and uh, the cotton masks make a huge difference in the comfortability of your face. And also they're not eyesores, but oh, 100%. Um, Oh, they, they make a huge difference and uh, they're much more comfortable and they might even be better in some circumstances. But you know what I think is interesting about this is I've not been traveling for work and stuff, but I've been going places and stuff. And then you get busy in life and we're supposed to be all this careful and all, all this and wear a mask. But then you find yourself, I was like, wait a second, I just went to a store, but I didn't wash my hands yet. And I, I think there's going to be a level of com not com yeah, there's going to be a level of complacency unintended through this. You know, I'm interested to see um, how that factors into spreading it or, or, or us seeing some increased numbers and people just getting more relaxed because nothing's happened and they're okay so far. So, Scout, on, on, yeah. a, better note, on a better note, your brother's turning 21. What's his favorite shot? Because we'll get on here and we'll bust the shot with him. Say that again? 
what 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 do you think his favorite shot would be? When I was twenty one, my I brother's really favorite shot. Should we do a Jaeger bomb with him? So, or what? what are you thinking? Oh, I I can't keep up with my little brother. He's twice my size. I, I'm <laughs> he he outweighs he outweighs me by sixty seventy pounds. He's, he's a big boy. So wow, I, man! How much, how much does he weigh? I uh, he, the boy can drink. Well, <laughs> allegedly, I, I don't know. I've never, I've never seen. So, that. hey, so, uh, uh, no well, first off, but, uh, you should say how tall and stuff he is. So, okay, so he's he's um right around six four and a half, six five, and I think right now he's like two fifty, two fifty five. I'm only barely six two at one hundred and seventy five pounds. So, so, you're so, you're so I, I'm a lot smaller than him. So, uh, mm-hmm? question for you, Scout. Give us yeah. a great story about Dustin. <laughs> give, give, give us give you a great story about it. Give us something good on yeah, Dustin. Juicy, something juicy. A lot of juice. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I, I mean, there's a lot of like... Uh, <laughs> I'm really trying to think. No, you know what? Don't give dirt on him, but give us a funny story. How about that? <laughs> I mean... I feel like a lot of our stories are more just family stories, but uh, I will say when I was a kid, you know, uh, I think 12, 11, 12, I used to call him Tall Tales because he used to uh, <laughs> smoke a little pipe on the back porch. He <laughs> 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 just sit there as like, you know, the, uh, the the classic gentleman inside of his study sitting there cross-legged in his, his big leather chair. Like that, that, that's how I saw it, you know, smoking his... His little pipe. Did he have a okay. pipe jacket? Actually, his beard now would go well with a pipe. I I, I didn't have a pipe jacket. I think that was like, yeah, I don't think I had a pipe jacket or a beard. I know. I, I don't think. I think that was still whenever you were clean shaven. Yeah, I think Here's so. Screw this dads that drink logo. We need Dustin in a pipe jacket with a pipe, <laughs> taking a puff, and it says "Dads that drink." That's what we need. That. His image or his his outline. Thank you so much, Scout. I love you forever. This is marketing genius going on. Um, I'm loving this. I'm trying to think of a really funny story that that me and Scout. Oh shit! Um, what Thanksgiving was it? Oh, when my dad, Peepa, were both asleep. What, what fucking Thanksgiving was that? It's movie theater. Oh, yeah. So every Thanksgiving we uh, we have Thanksgiving, and then we all the guys in the family. So me, my brother, my dad, my stepbrother, uh, Scout, and his brother all go to the movie. We do it every year. Um, and we went one year, and I think we we're the only two awake. Me and Scout. Everybody was like. <laughs> dead ass asleep uh, because I won't say whether we do or not bring a flask to <laughs> the the movie theater with us, but uh, everyone was just completely out. And we watched some, I, in our defense, we watched some really bad movies on Thanksgiving sometimes. So <laughs> we, we have seen some stuff where I'm like, this is, this is awful. Um, what was the one that Keetaw picked out one year that we were all just like, this is, this dog shit, this is awful. Oh, oh man, God. he's picked so many. My and, and and when he says peepaw, he's talking about my dad. And my dad picked some horrible movies to go watch. Oh, yeah, so. I've had some good conversations with your peepaw. I like him. 
Yeah. So, um, uh, anything else, Scott, are they, are they training? I mean, is training, so we, we, go ahead. As far as I, I know, I mean, so, um, you know, as far as I know, at least with the, the student population, cause we do have a very large student population on, uh, where, where I work. Um, they're still training. We're still doing small training evolutions and stuff like that. Nothing crazy. You know, we're not, we're still respecting, sorry. Um, still respecting, you know, the six foot boundary in the math and stuff like that. Well, how does that work out? I, I would like to know how that works out training wise. <laughs> well, I can tell you right now that not even in a training evolution, just dealing with them in formation in the morning is a fucking hassle. It's it's <laughs> so each person in the formation has to stand six feet apart. 100%. Oh my god, <laughs> really? And I can't even imagine because that takes a platoon who's got what 30 35 people in it. So this formation is 150 deep at six feet apart, each person, yeah, 150 people. Yeah. And and I can tell you right now that just in that, that's like, that's pulling teeth. Oh, absolutely. And it's a, it's a hassle every single time. It doesn't bother me because at the end of the day that I'm not standing in formation. I'm standing off to the side waiting to do my thing. Yes. And when someone falls you know, out. The longer, yeah, the, the longer they take, ah, it doesn't really matter. It's the longer I don't have to go back to my normal duty. But, but yeah, it's, it's, and with the training evolutions, I personally, because of what I've been doing, I haven't gone to the field. I haven't gone on any training evolutions with anybody, with any of the, uh, training units out here. Um, so I really don't know how that's working. I, I don't have any, you know, information on that. The guys that I send out, they're the ones doing all that stuff. And I, at the end of the day, after I give them the information they need for where they're going to go and who they're going to be with, I really just don't ask them any more questions because I'm, I get done arguing with them about all of it. So. I was trying but to calculate the math. I, I don't know how it's working with the training evolution. Four, so if you have again? 150, people, 150 people six feet apart, that takes up a huge-ass area. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a lot. But, <laughs> I mean, I get why we're doing it. Like I said earlier, I get why we're doing it. There's a reason for it all. I'm not going to rock the boat. I'm just going to sit there and do whatever's what we're doing for the time being. It changes every single day can't really argue with it um and when i say it changes minute changes to where most people wouldn't notice but whenever you're, you're the actual medical personnel you notice it when you're the general you know 0311 or or calm student like we have out here uh, you're not going to notice it because it doesn't really affect you it just affects us on our side for what we have to do our precautions the way we treat you the way we take care of you um another than that you know like i said i I know for a fact that we're still doing the masks and the, the social distancing for the uh, training evolutions. It's just I haven't seen it in person to see how it actually works. Um, and I'm glad because uh, that just sounds like a huge hassle that I don't want to deal with. So, well, Scout, when you, you need to come to see your uncle soon, and we'll go out and see a good Texas Red Dirt singer, maybe even Kanan Bryce, I'm, and we'll have a good time. I think that was your favorite episode, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a really good episode. And his music's actually really good, too. I really like it. So, anything else you want to ask him, uh, Mikey? 
Well, first off, I want to just say like how great, how great a man I think you are because, um, you know, you can you do that in the Christopher Walken voice? Just keep doing it. Nah, because I'm being I'm being sincere over here. Okay, go ahead. But um, I, you know, just most people, um, I, everything is perspective in life, and I, I listen to some people, and they're like, "Yeah, man, you know, like I, I have to move out of my apartment, and I I don't know what I'm going to do with all my furniture." And then I hear your story. I just had a baby. I haven't. I, I've I've only seen him for a little bit. And I can't go back to him, but you know what? It's for it's for the good of the family. Like you're such a good guy, so I have I just have a ton of respect for you, man. Um, and I I want to do a shot for your brother though when it's his birthday. We'll we'll get something going for him. And uh, well, I, we'll we'll have to we'll have to do that. Yeah, definitely, man. And, and I'll say and I'll say a lot of a lot of the reason of my think of my thinking is and it's kind of a, a, a dumb thing, but it's, it's kind of how I just do everything in life. I have like a and I, I told my dad about this years ago, and it, he kind of uses it now. But it's my it's my five minute five foot rule. If it's anything five minutes away or five feet farther or farther than five feet away from me, there's nothing I can do to change it. So I'm just gonna have to live with what I have right here, right now. Yeah, man. And that's that's just how I live every every day. That's a that's a great saying. Definitely. And well, it's just like, like you, I said, there's, there's there's nothing I can change. But I mean, if I could, I would. I mean, you know. Before I turned on my laptop and got on here, I was actually over at my friend's house. We were, I mean, we, uh, I was over at my buddy's house. We were sitting out there grilling, talking, and my daughter FaceTimed me. And I, I sat on FaceTime at my buddy's house for an hour, just talking to my daughter, banging her to sleep. And, and it sucks. You know, you don't, you don't want to have to do that. You don't want to have to talk to your, your kids over the phone. But it's not, it's not just, you know, um, shitty for me. I, I know guys out here who got stuck on deployment. And they couldn't come back and they had a baby and they never got to meet their baby and their baby's five months old now. And they just got to meet their baby. Like my story isn't, isn't that bad. I, I know a lot of guys out here that are, you know, in a rough spot because they're not being able to do the stuff they want to do just because of this entire COVID thing. So for me, I, I look at it also in the same way that mine kind of sucks, but there's people that have it worse than me. That's all. That's an awesome way to think about it. And, and I, and I don't, and I'm just one of those people that, my problems might be big to me, but they're probably not big to somebody else. So I'm going to deal with them the way I deal with them. And I want, you know, other people to get that attention and to have that, you know, if they need something, because I can handle most of my stuff. Well, buddy, we're going to let you go. Um, but we'll, we'll check back in with you. Um, I, I talked to your, well, through text, I talked to your brother yesterday or the day before, I guess yesterday. Um, for the new baby and everything. So we hope you get home soon. We miss you a lot. We love you. Um, and you're welcome on here anytime you want to tell us something. Any, anytime you guys want to hear about something, I got plenty of funny stories to tell about all kinds of stuff. Anytime you guys want somebody on here, I got plenty of stories about Southern California. You, I work at Hennessy's in Hermosa Beach. So if you're near LX Airport, you're, uh, you got a couple of free drinks so, coming from me. Funny thing about Hermosa Beach, and I'll get off. Sorry. Um, I have a buddy that works with me who's from Hermosa, but he's kind of a well off, or at least his family is. So we've always joked with him and just told him that it was Mimosa Beach and that he just had an easy life his entire life. Just to mess with him. <laughs> and it makes him so mad. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he's definitely, uh, his parents probably have a nice, uh, if they own the house. 
they'll probably do it well. I've lived out here for two years, and I still have not ventured out that way. I've only been Oceanside, San Diego, and then all the stuff out here in the desert, Vegas, and then into Arizona. I've never actually gone north of Oceanside. Yeah, I hear you. It's pretty far away. But if you ever go, I got a drink for you. You're cutting out a little bit. Sorry. He said that anytime you get there uh, to Hermosa, he's got drinks for you. Sounds like a plan. All right, buddy. Have a wonderful night. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on here watching. So. All right, we love you, buddy. Be careful. Love you. All right, I will. All right, bye. Bye. All right. Hey, Mike. I didn't mean to um, interrupt you and disrespect you, but the Christopher Walken thing. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, no! I just you know like it, I, I know I you're just, trying to be sincere. I, I apologize. Yeah, I was just thing, trying like, to make I, I always, kind of lighten the mood. Trust me, I'm always a jokester. And you guys know me. Like I'll send you guys texts during the day to try to. Make yeah, I know. Sometimes I just, I'm, I'm. Hopefully that didn't offend anybody. Nah, no. Nah, I just, I, I mean, I get severely touched when I hear stories about like, you know, someone who sacrifices their their life like that for the family, and and they're like, it's it's humbling, man. It really is. But but I well, tell you, tell you what, this mint julep gave me a tiny bit of a buzz. That much. Like five milligrams. You know what I noticed about DJ? He's very even keel. Like, if I say a joke. Oh, no. I can't read him at all. Yeah, if I, if I, I can't I read him, him. If I make him laugh, I know I'm really funny. And then if I make him, like, smile, I'm semi-funny. You know? And then if I don't make him smile, I still could be funny. I just am not reading him the right way. Well, or, or, or he's like, what the fuck? You just don't know. <laughs> I can't. I tell my wife all the time. I can't read DJ. I can't read him. Can't do it. He's Here's the thing. Uh, I, I'm watching a couple different things right now. I, I I watch you. I've been watching you, DJ. Like the whole part of the first show wasn't me. Like listen, I was listening to everything, but I was watching you operate back there. And uh, you were like, you know, looking at the screen. Go, you were doing a good job, man. You were, you're picking up, you know, reading everybody's. You know, comments and I went it through three beers on the phone with y'all. That, that's my <laughs> nephew. You know what? No, no, he actually poured himself a crown royal on the rocks. I don't know if you saw that, Jeff, but he just did. He poured himself a nice little two fingers. He did butter from Sean. Jeff, he did 30 push ups. Wow. 30 push ups. It's just a wow. So, how many push ups can you do, DJ? I don't know. I have, I have no idea. So DJ, I got a question. There's a, right okay. now, right now, there's a there's a gun to your head. Somebody broke into your house, right? Okay. And they're like, and they, you know, they're gonna do something bad to you. They're like, you have to do thirty push-ups. Oh, I could die. I could die. Could you do it? Probably be in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I could do it. I can tell you this: thirty push-ups is hard, man. So I would have to, I would have to probably out. hit the timeout. My lungs would be burning at the end, but I could do it. A guy breaks in your house, has a gun in your head, and you have to blow him to not do anything to your family. You know what? I if I had a family, <laughs> that's so unfair. I'm sorry. I, I I go down in this homage if it meant saving my <laughs> my girl. I would too. I'd slob a knob in a heartbeat. And then I'd fucking bite off his fucking bow. Ooh, bow. Christopher Walken. He'd, he'd, he'd shoot me. <laughs> and on that note, 
I think we're going to end this show. We're at almost three hours. Um, we've you know had, what I, uh, you know, guys, you know what? I feel like Conan, you know, remember Conan back in the day, he was like the late night host. He was on like after Letterman and Leno and all yeah. that. That's what I feel like. I feel like Mikey J is like, Hi. yeah, he's like the late night after like this, like, you know, we have fucking Fridays left. Late night on a Friday. And I tell all you six viewers, I want to say, I freaking love you because you're, you're awesome. Hey, and, yeah. I, I mean, to be with us at 1230 at night, still watching. Exactly. Hey, we're, hey, we're exactly. picking up, by the way. Oh, what's up, Gabe Sheffy? That's my buddy from high school. I love that guy. Yeah. Anybody who wants to be on the trivia you know what? Gabe's been tuning in a lot. Uh, Gabe, get all the hoodlums together. Watch. I think Nate Nate Dog actually uh, called me tonight. I was about to get on a podcast. Spread the word in College Station. Um, we'll come in. You can do a bit with us, be on the show, and I'll come see you next time I'm in town. There you go. Let's all right. So let's get some trivia going. Yeah. Let's go around the horn. Uh yeah, Scott. If you want to join in on trivia, you're more than welcome. As long as you have something, you can join in on us on uh, on the video screen. So let's go around the horn, Mikey. I know you're going back to work. What do you got to promote? Well, basically, I don't think that they are actually letting California open up until July. Okay, so I'm gonna be working like whenever my other like I'm I. Hennessy's is my five day a week job. And then I work at the other job, like, you know, two or three days a week or whatever. But whenever that guy asked me to work, I'm going to say, yeah, I can, you know, like what else do I got to do? And I'm going to wear the mask and do all the things. So I think I'm working this Monday and this Wednesday. Hey, who wrote, okay. Who wrote, uh, 30 unbroken pushups, $300 to whatever charity. Uh, Matt Schwab. Damn, that's my other buddy from high school. What's up, Schwab? Dude, I'll, I'll, right. donate, I'll donate 50 to a charity. Whatever your charity you want. He was an offensive lineman. He 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 actually walked on to Baylor. And he played that in for a while. Love him and his brother and his family. Schwab. That's, dude, that's up, awesome, dude? bro. And you know what? I'm going to bust out 30 and I'll do full ones. I know Jeff's going to do half ones, but I'm going to do full ones. Fuck yeah. I'm going to do quarter, halves, whatever I can get in for 30. <laughs> I got a question. Is DJ? He's gonna, yes. If you get in on this, he's, three. He's gonna, he's, he says that if each of you could do thirty, he's so in now. He's DJ's in. in now, dude. We can yeah, raise parity. Now, uh, do we I'm have in. to record it or just say we did them? Okay. No, DJ, no, no. We're DJ, gonna record them. Yeah, DJ. I just gotta tell you, you just gotta breathe as you're doing it. <sighs> Don't hold your breath. All right. All right. I've done push-ups for a couple of years. I was in the military, so I know. But I'm good stories from my boy Schwab there, man. He's a yeah. I need to get so, with so him. Any, so anyway, you guys can check me out on Mikey Jerome on Facebook, Mikey Mikey Jerome the bartender on Instagram, and then you can check me out on my YouTube Mikey Jerome channel. Um, I, I'm confident that I'm going to do more push-ups than both these guys, um, but I have mad respect for both of these guys. And uh, I'm excited tomorrow to send my video of how many push-ups I do. My face is going to be red, but I'm 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 a, I'm guessing forty. I'm guessing forty-two, forty-two push-ups. That's good. Gonna do. All right. Honestly, you only have to do thirty. I, I might be able to. I, I should be able to get with adrenaline in my veins and under the circumstances. 
I think I got it, but I did 20 the other day and it fucking kicked my ass. I was like, fuck, I'm winded. Like my, my arms locked up, all those lactic acid just went boom. Oh, well, you got to do is 10 more after that. I know. Minutes. When you're froze up, though, man, it's like, shit, your body, you can't do it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. So, my nephew dropped a follow on your Insta, Mike. Hell yeah. All right. So, we're going to end this. Jeffro, what do you have to promote? I would like to promote um, Big Cigar Stables. My good friend, Ed Larson, that came out tonight, our guest. Man, the guy, he could literally have a bit on like my kid every week if we want and talk about some aspect of it. He's a special guy. He has the gift of gab. So I'm promoting Ed Larson. I'm promoting Big Sargoss Stables. And I'm promoting um, getting in touch with your, your, your people that are near and dear to your heart that you might have lost touch with. I think about Matt Schwab and my buddy Gabe that are near and dear high school friends that you don't see them every day. You don't talk to them as much as you want, but they're always there. Um, reach out to them. Talk to them. Um, love each other and, and and do the best you can. God, that was cheesy at the end. But anyway, that's what I mean. That's okay. Guys, we appreciate you so much. There's six of you still watching us at 1230 at night. Uh, I want to first thank Ed for coming on the show, talking to us about all the horse racing that's going on because it's pretty much the only game in the business right now. And, and however we can get sports is a great thing. Uh, and as we talked about on the show, uh, horse racing is a blast to, to hang out and, and gamble and hang out at the track and all those kind of things. Mikey Jerome, we couldn't do this show without you, buddy. We're going to miss you so much when you go back to work full time. Uh, every week you plan out your drinks ahead of time. You know, we had a horse racing guy on here today, so you did the mint julep. We couldn't do it without you. We love you so much, buddy. To my nephew, Scout, that came on, told us everything that's going on at his uh, base and everything that's going on with the military. We appreciate it so much. And, of course, last but not least, Jeffro, I couldn't do this show without you, buddy. It would be a completely different show. I tell you that all the time. Uh, guys, thanks so much for being with us. Make sure that you like this show. If you want to join the Facebook group, Dads That Drink, uh, you can go to YouTube and it's Double Speak Studios. You can go on Twitter. You can go on Instagram. We're there. We're really trying to kind of focus on the Facebook Live game right now, but we're just trying to get out there. Uh, we see that there's uh, a, a big market out there. So we just want to share our weekends with you share our stories with you, share the people in our lives with you, and we appreciate it so much. So I'm DJ. That's Jeffro. That's Mikey. My nephew Scout was on, and Ed, we'll catch you on the next one. We're out of here, guys. See you later. <laughs>